0: Hi guys, what's going on? The 79th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. Welcome in, take a seat, get comfortable. It's going to be a hell of a ride. Jamie, I do believe that these on this side over here, right behind Stay Cozy, like right, literally right behind it, uh, are the Chronicles of Alex Siegel. Yeah, I just saw him, he's right there. Wonderful, let's get started. Hit it!
1: Hey, honey bunny, it's Rivka Reyes. This is Ron Wasserman, the nut that wrote Go Go Power Rangers. It's Boba Fett here.
2: This is Molly Rennick from Living Dead Girl. It's WWE superstar legend, Davy Boy Smith's daughter, Georgia
0: Smith.
3: Hi, I'm Alex Siegel, and I'm the managing director of talent agency Intertalent, one of the biggest talent agencies in the UK. And you're listening to the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie.
0: I have a crazy, wonderful life. Uh, my ass you know I was, I was crushing such so coal I was making diamonds so I came
1: to the richest time alive I'll see
2: you <laughs> hello everybody, and welcome to the 79th edition of the Chronicles of podcast and
1: <laughs> are
2: the chronicles. Of Alex Siegel. It is I, the bearded Brummy Jamie, and joining me, as always, <laughs> as always, is this handsome fella
0: right here. This is it's the Scottish Tom. Um, because your V's cut out in the middle and came back, I don't know what it was. It was Mortal
2: Kombat. Ah,
0: the original Mortal Kombat theme song. I do like, you know, when you know something and then you're like, it's on the tip of my tongue. Why is it on the tip of your tongue as well? But why is it not? On the breast of your chest, or why is it not on the t- why is it not on like the lobe of your ear? Why is it oh, it's right the on the edge of your
2: nip. I just can't quite get it. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, why oh, it's right, it's right on the bottom of the belly. Like, what's what is that song? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a weird like, tip of the tongue? I guess because obviously you speak from your mouth, you know, but uh, why is it on the breast of your tooth? You know, it's, it's just a weird.
2: You don't stick your tongue out when you're talking, do you? you know, like, <laughs> yeah.
0: I wonder, right? If anyone's gone, look, it's right there.
1: Oh, Jamie, we're back for another week. We love
0: oh, yes, it. We, we love are, to come back oh, bracing your too. screens or your ears <laughs> wherever you wherever you enjoy your weekly dose of the chronicles of podcast thanks for coming in we really appreciate it how you doing Jamie you okay
2: I am good my friend I'm good I'm a little bit tired I'm a little bit tired but yeah I'm good I'm good I actually had a day off today where I didn't do anything it was
0: fucking glorious oh oh I know. disgusting I it love that I know that's it. so filthy you know just a bit, it's almost like you feel bad for doing fuck all
2: <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah I was like well, i got Olivia's parents' evening today, so I'm doing something productive. So for the rest of the day, I'm going to sit on my ass.
0: Woo! We love that. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Could you imagine, right, getting a role in a TV show or a series and being like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And then either being a patient in a coma or someone who dies really quickly in the first episode. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How pissed would you be, especially if it was like a dream role? Like I finally get to work with this actor or this director. You're like, oh, yeah. okay. I'm just gonna lie there dead.
0: Okay, cool. You know are I mean? okay. on the train or in a car at the very beginning of the very, the very first episode, and it gets crashed into, you get shot at and die, or you get put in a coma, and that's it. And then you die in a coma. I suppose you get to lie there and be still and quiet, and because I, like for a series on <laughs> know, episodes one episodes. But I'd be livid. i like, oh my God, I get to be in this, but I don't get to speak, do anything, move. Or, you
2: know. The only thing that can make it worse is you film it. You're like, fine, I'll accept it. This is what it is. You take your family to the cinema to go see it. It comes on and the scene was cut. You're like,
0: motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to quit I- acting. I can't was watching. I think I think Keris was watching something and it had a a coma patient and I was like, I wonder if when he got that role, he was like, You want me to do what for the whole series? Oh. Do I at least do I wake up? You don't know? Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm here now. I might as well carry on.
2: (laughs) I'll take the role if you promise i wake up. Yeah, we promise you wake up.
0: We (laughs) might. So we might write it in, we might not, who knows? There's who
2: only knows? one way to find out, Dave. Sign here. Yeah,
0: so now lie down, shut the fuck up, and pretend to be dead. <laughs>
2: it always makes me like when you see, like, watching films and you've got like, dead bodies on the ground. I always look at them like, can you see them breathing? Did he move a little bit? How it's good the is the his eye acting?
0: movements? <laughs> it's the eye movements. They always move their eyes, always, because they see their lids, like, moving up and down. <laughs>
2: Just, you just want to catch them out a little bit.
0: But, um, again, the other thing that really came to mind when watching TV is the people that complain about TV series and TV episodes, that complain to Ofcom. I've never who? Of... Who? Who has the time? Right? <laughs> who has the time? It's obviously all the Karens and Kevins, is what it is. But, like, like um, Celebrity Chase. Someone complained about the celebrity chase because they didn't know who anybody was. What? Tony Cotty was in there. He's a left city legend footballer and he does a Saturday every Saturday and no one knows who Tony Cotty is. You're like, oh. It's getting to that generation, isn't it, where nobody knows. I think one was the drag queen, um, the Vivian, um, and then there was a couple of other people as well from TV and nobody knew who they were. And they actually complained to Ofcom but they didn't know who the celebrities were, and you're like, who really, gives really that
2: much of really. A fuck?
0: I know it's a it's
2: celebrity gonna... chase. Like, who cares? Who are you expecting <laughs> on the celebrity chase? Fucking Tom Cruise and shit. It's going to be B-listers. No one gives rats' ass about. Let's be honest.
0: Well, we give, we give, we give, we give some, some, some sort of ass about them. Yeah,
2: because but otherwise give... they wouldn't be where they are. Well, that's very <laughs> true. I mean? That's very true. So... Yes, but you know it's. It... <laughs>
0: What do they the explain? other one? Why do you
2: care so much? To turn it over,
0: Karen! You fucking idiot. The, other one, the Stacey Solomon decluttering TV series that's been on. Um, she someone someone had their rabbits in a conservatory and had them moved outside, and people said it was cruel because the animals got moved from the to a hutch outside. I don't So know they complained. The there was lots of complaints about it. I mean, complain about what you want, but I mean, surely you've got better things to do with your life. Surely.
2: Yeah, I don't, I honestly don't think Ofcom even read them. I think they go <laughs> delete. I don't so think... I think mean, what I might do
0: is when Antiques Roadshow comes on, I might kick off about Fiona Bruce's dress and I'd be like, it's the wrong colour. Why <laughs> does she think she could pull off white and green? Are you for real?
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Offcom I was watching Antiques Roadshow and quite frankly, I wouldn't have paid more than £5 for it, so I think they're idiots and you shouldn't be on the end. Yeah. Okay, okay. Absolutely. Oh. Mental. Oh.
0: I know my people. I know my antiques. So yeah, I just I never I never get people that complain about TV episodes it's Like, There's way more to life than complaining about the celebrity Chase or Stacey <laughs> Solomon. Do you know what I mean? Like get over yourself. And why? What do you call masturbate, that might make you feel better? Um <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, just, just... Just to end on that sort of thing as well, Jamie. Um I had Monday Night Raw on last week and Erich just turned to me and she was like, ah, oh, what's Todd catchphrase again? It's I see you, isn't it? Anyway, we move on. So <laughs> yeah. that doesn't even need discussing. That I is
1: see you. I see you.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I see you. I see you. See
2: you. <laughs> when we get one-on-one in that ring at WrestleMania,
0: I'll see you. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes out and he's like, yeah, never give up. Yeah, you know what you're see yeah, let's go. I see. <laughs> <laughs> and then runs in. <laughs> oh, that was way too much fun.
2: <laughs> oh, speak, Speaking of TV... I know we we're not normally ones to do like oh my god have you seen this trailer but have you seen the trailer for the new Power Rangers special on Netflix?
0: I have not. Holy shit.
2: It's not right for a 36 year old man to be so excited over a Power Rangers episode. But I watched it and I was like oh my god this looks incredible.
0: I will watch it because I no, cannot so. wait. <laughs> because it's like wonderful thing called nostalgia. So, you know, Sorry, I'm I'm fighting with me, with me swallowing here, with me fucking That's what's going on. <laughs> I'm tr- try to get words out, and he's trying to stop me. It's rest- 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 oh my god! I'm gonna say retracting. That's not the right word. It's like restricting me. Slightly, so I'm like, <laughs>
1: um, oh,
0: John, yeah, see no, I just I literally I've seen him share it, and I went I will watch at some point, but I'll let him have his oh. moment to discuss.
2: I was just so excited watching it. I was just like, "Oh, this looks incredible!" I was like, "It looks genuinely looks good," and then it's like, "Holy fuck, this is cheesy bad!" Like, like Power Rangers should be cheesy bad. I was
0: like, "I cannot wait for this fucking show to come on." Come on! But the th- it's done in twenty twenty three as well. It's not like it was done in nineteen ninety three. I know. So it's it's gonna be you know updated uh, cardboard buildings and stuff that's gonna <laughs> blow up and. Well, that sort of thing. So yeah, this is gonna be uh I'm excited. I oh, it's yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Just 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 that, you know, because David Yost is in it and obviously as a kid, uh Blue Ranger was everything to me. So um I was always blue. It's great because everyone wants to be red or white or green every time when you play when you play as kids and I always got to be blue because no one wants to be blue.
2: I tell you what, rewatching it with Olivia, I've found this newfound appreciation for Billy too fair. I was like fair play, Billy is fucking awesome. Like he did not get enough love. You're absolutely right. He was awesome. So I tip my
0: hat to Billy. He was he's very, very good. My yeah. brother was a Zap a Zach man, loved Zack. And uh yeah, I can't believe I can't believe it. Like that that's still yeah. that's mental to me. That is mental that obviously Jason did it, Frank is own life, sadly. Um such a shame, man. I know, it's gutted. But that his
2: last movie is coming out very soon as well. So I'm looking forward to watching that as well. Legend of the White Dragon, which is Power Rangers-esque, I think it is I think it's like Power Rangers, but it's not Power Rangers, don't sue us Saban, please but no, it looks really good Okay, well. fair. Yeah, looks really what
0: have you been doing yourself anyway, you, Jay?
2: not a fat lot to be honest, I've mostly been Rihanna I've mostly been working, I've been on late, so I've had like no time for myself, um, last Wednesday I went to go see the kids which, nice. going there was fine, was great spending time with the kids and everything, and then I got to oh, come yeah. home Oh, I turned into a very different person that day, Mr. Stevens. I oh, shouted. Wow. I shouted. I got angry. I got, I, I actually stood up for myself to people. It was not a good time. I got to Charlton train station and it was literally a giant queue of people for the races. I was like, fuck, I'm not going to get this train. But luckily I managed to squeeze onto the train. The train absolutely stank of stale booze. Couldn't get a seat anywhere. I was just like, it's fine. Keep you calm. Watch things on your phone. Distract yourself. I had the same Irish guy fall into me about five times. It was like constantly landing on my shoulder. I was like, "Okay, man, you pain, contain your composure. You'll be fine. And then he did it again. And he went, I'm really sorry about that. And I looked at him and he went, if you're really sorry, stop doing it. And then he went and sat somewhere else. I don't speak up to people like that, but I actually did that time. And then as soon as he walks away, another drunk Irishman started falling into me. I was just like, I'm just going to stand in my elbow out right now. So if you fall into it, that's on you, my friend.
0: That Simpson.
2: Oh, I was not a happy buddy. <laughs> By the time I got home, I was just like,
0: ah! So, but, okay. So now I understand. I understand where you're coming from. But you made the fatal error of going on race week. Of course, you stay oh, away from that town. I know you stay away from that town during that week. There's no way you go anywhere near it. I I'm know. so pleased I don't live there anymore. Man. I was like, quite surprised.
2: Rat. It was easy getting there. No problems whatsoever. On on train, off train, through station, no problem whatsoever. It was on the way home. I was like, oh, I hate everyone and everything in this town right now. <laughs>
1: got it is a shit week.
2: It. it is a fucking awful week. God damn, I hate it so much. Um other than that. I've watched The Last of Us, all of it, in about four days' time. We just binged good it. Work. I've been working late, so we've been staying up to like one o'clock in the morning, just binging it because it's just so fucking good. Like, oh, both of them deserve every award. Just throw every award at them for their performance in this show. Did phenomenal. you ever finish the game? No.
0: So now you know, game fans.
2: I do, but this is me. By the time I actually get around to finishing it, I will probably forget. But there is a lot in the game that isn't in the show.
0: I thought, well, no, because the credits are nine episodes, so there's no, there's a lot of stuff got cut out.
2: But I don't, yeah, I was gonna say the last thing I remember playing on the game, I I, I restarted it like yesterday because I couldn't remember how the fuck to play it. So where I was was in like a supermarket or something, and I don't remember that happening in the show. So I know there is a lot cut out to my knowledge. Supermarket, yeah, it's always like a supermarket, it's really dark. It was a shopping mall, or I, I can't remember. Like, it's, it's been that long since I played it again.
0: I was like, I don't know where I am. The mall's the prequel, the mall's the prequel game. I'm trying to remember now. Um, but I've finished yeah, the I game know. like 15,000 times, and I love it, yeah. love it. Um, and obviously, the second series is already in the works. Um, but I think the best scene, in my opinion, was episode five, episode five, which. Which bit? I watched it on one go. With the sniper. And then the massive, and then they get caught and they're about to all die and the floor falls, the truck falls to the floor. Yes. And all the horde appears, yeah. And the bloater comes out like, fuck!
2: Yeah, I was sort of seeing that bloater like, shoot! He's a big fucker. Yeah. There wasn't as many infected people in the show as I was expecting. I know, but I
0: think I quite like the fact that it was based on it's a journalist story, isn't it? so I yeah. like the fact that it's based on like they were around you heard them, um yeah, but yeah, I quite like that it was more based on like, the survival part of it rather than the effects of being everywhere. I mean, you don't want to kiss up them like in the second episode, Jesus, oh God, no, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, uh,
2: <laughs> the scene in the museum I can't remember I think it was that was the second episode as well yeah like, I remember playing that in the game and I was like shit that looks exactly like it does in the game whoever did yeah. like set this up what a job they've done an incredible but, job of world building
0: but <laughs> Neil Druckmann the creator and the director of The Last of Us had a whole part to play in it and obviously um, the guy who voices Joel plays James mm. Uh, the uh, girl who voices Ellie was the president lady in the last episode. Yes, yeah. the she's also Gretchen in um, Recess. Uh, if you didn't know that, did no, know that. <laughs> That's amazing. <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the the lady who voices Marlene played Marlene. Yes, yes. Yeah. And the guy who played Perry, the really big fucker with the massive grey beard and the massive shotgun, yes. he voices he voices Tommy in the end. So I think it's really cool that they had all cool. of that in. Like, so, yeah, it's great. I loved it. I loved, yeah. absolutely loved it. Incredible series. It was amazing. But I loved the games as well. So, like, watching it come to life on TV and I'm doing it justice, it was just like, yeah, this is fucking incredible.
2: Yeah, and the relationship between Ellie and Joel, they just portrayed it so well. Like, they they, they were so good together. They acted so well together. If anyone hasn't watched it, go fucking watch it because it is absolutely incredible. Um, But... I guess you want an update on the other show that I've been watching, my friend. Season eight, episode nine. Get in there. Get into oh, it. Wow.
0: Yeah.
2: I'll be honest, I'm struggling with this season. I don't know if I'm burnt out from constantly watching it or this season's just not grabbing me. I don't know what it is. It's just all the others are like, shit, I need to watch the next episode. But even like seasons, was it season six that people didn't really like? I even prefer yeah. that to this so far. Like, I just really, I'm really struggling. Don't know Get what out. it is. Maybe I'm just waiting for something to happen, but I, I don't I don't know. But I will say, yes. Annie, Annie Wershing, her performance as Renee Walker in this season, fuck me. She's so good. Like, the where she breaks down after she kills the Russian guy, I was like, fuck me. Give this woman an award for that performance yeah, alone.
0: She, <laughs> so she, she actually voices Tess in the last of us in the game. <laughs> that I did not know. That's amazing. Yeah. What cross. And obviously... Sadly, she lost her life yeah. um, a couple of months ago, or so uh, which is such a shame. But yeah, she's amazing as Renee Walker in 24. Yes, so good, and the cast is great. Like I was like, "Fuck me,
2: it's Freddie Prince Jr." What are you doing
0: here? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. But no, I I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm burnt out because I've watched it like solid, or maybe this season just isn't doing it for me. And the new C CTU building, that, no, not a fan of that. Give me my no? old CTU building back. Not a fan of that.
0: Because no. we happened to see you back,
2: I was, but I was like, Who, Who's this dude in charge? And where is everyone? And why is everyone being mean? And I, I don't know, I don't like it.
0: It's great, um, mate. Just wait, it's, yeah. it's good. It's good.
2: Maybe I just need something happen to bring me in, but I'm, I'm struggling with this one at the minute. I'm only on season nine, episode nine, rather. I've got a lot to go yet. So,
0: I don't forget, this was meant to be the last series yes. ever. Yes, I remember so. 8 was meant to be the final one, and obviously did the, the, the half one. So uh, just soak it in and enjoy it, man, because you're about to reach the end of one of the greatest, if not the greatest TV show of all time.
2: Yeah, For, from seasons one to the, one to seven so far. Superb. But yeah, I'm struggling a bit with 8. But we'll see. We'll okay. see we what about you, my all friend? How are you? What have you been up to? Yeah, I'm all right.
0: am um, right. I've been re a lot um at the moment so and then over the weekend i did nothing it was great i watched all the rugby on saturday like literally all of it um i lost my voice in the scotland game because the italians almost beat us and i was a bit like uh, my asshole. you know I was, I was crushing so much coal i was making diamonds so they came to the richest time of um that's how that game went basically <laughs> uh and obviously Ireland won the Grand Slam so it's uh yeah congratulations to them they're great so you know for all our Irish brothers and sisters out there Baz, Jerry you know all those all those lovely boys and girls uh congratulations so you know fully deserved um I've started so I finished a series called Defending Jacob and I found it really slow okay never it. Chris Evans is in it um and he plays uh, a lawyer and uh, basically his kid gets arrested for murder and it's all did he didn't he do it did he did he or didn't he um it, it there's it's it's all right it's a slow burner it got better in the middle and then the ending was a bit like oh so it just took me ages to get through it um so we've now started ted lasso um so yeah and there's now started ted lasso so i watched the first episode and we found it hilarious so um yeah, really looking forward to watching that properly. I've been watching a series called The Me You Can't See as well, which is Oprah Winfrey and uh, Harry. I can't call him Prince anymore. Uh, I think, did I you like, mention this last week? I, feel I think I did. Who... About yeah. Health, yeah. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Like, there's a, there's an episode about um, kids losing parents and parents losing kids. Oh, dude. Fuck me. <laughs> hard that was a hard watch um because obviously i've never seen like a real i've never like in real obviously you see it on tv and stuff but mm. like an actual parent who's actually lost their kids and you just like wow it's like it, it was weird they go to it was in arizona and they go to this like massive farm that's full of animals but like that they're animals that have been abused so oh, it's okay. like yes yeah, so it's almost like um Needy, hard to explain it. Not you know what I mean. Like they're there, they're there for each other, sort of thing. Yeah. And there was this guy that lost his son, but there was this golden retriever that just fucking loved him and wouldn't leave him alone. And it was just really nice to see that bond and see that relationship between those two, like that sort of thing. It was oh, just, okay. But obviously, like this is all broken, and it was really it's hard. It was I really enjoyed the series. I really enjoyed it, but some of it was really tough to get through. Um. Yeah. There's like war to, like war stricken kids that have lost their family to war, like Syria and stuff that was in there. Um I'm pretty sure the doctor from that's been on Russell Howard. Um so yeah, that was like a tough watch. There's it's, it's great, man. Like it was it was really insightful and we really enjoyed it. So um just because Robert Williams was on it, so then I watched this documentary. I think I watched this last week. Yeah, yeah, um, I was gonna say was... Yeah. yeah, yeah, So I since watched that, but other than that, man, been, I've been, been, I've been, I've started Frazier again in one series three now. I was watching that last night. That, that is, I just love that show. There was a, an episode yesterday where, and I haven't done this for eight, you know, you laugh so much that you can't control your body, you can't really laugh and you need to cry loads because you're laughing so much. That literally <laughs> happened last night. I love it. I, I love literally it when you laugh night. at that. Yeah, it was great. Absolutely amazing. Um, but I'll be honest, man, I've not been anywhere I've done anything. Obviously, it was Mother's Day on Sunday. Uh, happy mother's day to, to all the uh all the mothers and whatnot out there um yeah it was uh yeah i
2: didn't go anywhere i'll do anything so so i was working so i didn't really get to do much we had a nice morning for olivia but yeah i didn't really get to do anything <laughs> there
0: we working. are working there we are we're all uh we're all caught up jamie so i do believe you're here from brayton at state cozy clothing all right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody.
3: This is Brayden Berry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing, your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable
2: hoodies,
0: T-shirts, and more. Gosh, Mickey. That's right,
3: folks. And we're proud to say that we are now
0: sponsoring the Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch! Hosted
3: by Tom and Jamie.
1: <laughs> like you can get ten percent off,
3: man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, The Chronicles, at checkout. Oh,
0: boy! Oh. Always will be the greatest advert of all time. Of all time. Jamie? Yes, sir. It's Cybercom's treats. Oh, yeah, it is. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you in Callum's treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. So, my loves, Callum is here to treach the world again, and we'll just get straight on into it. Jamie! Yes. What is Callum treaching us? This week. The person who invented marriage must have been really clingy. <laughs> It's really crazy, isn't it, in a way? You literally turn to somebody and go, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you, sign this paper, I now own half of you.
2: That is fucking beautiful. That's really tickled (laughs) me. (laughs) It's It's so true when you think about it. Like, I love you how much that I need you to sign this paper. We can only be separated by a court of law.
0: Yeah, that's really clingy.
1: Yeah.
0: That's the personal experience to take it. (laughs) The (laughs) way you just implied it then. (laughs)
2: I want everyone to know that you're mine. I want you to wear this jewellery on your finger and you, miss, will change your last name so it's the same as mine. It was invented by a man, wasn't it? It must have been.
0: It is. And the only way it can be made official is, oh, well, the way to make it official is we have to fuck. (laughs) Definitely invented by a man. Yeah. I need to put myself inside you, otherwise this becomes null and void.
2: <laughs> that did used to be a thing there, wasn't it? You couldn't annul a marriage if you hadn't consummated the marriage. So, yeah. yeah, That's crazy, that is.
0: Is that still a thing? It must still be a thing. I don't know. Do you know what I think really shit? Oh, I don't want to know. Uh, I, I reckon the guy invented that side, the woman invented the prenup. Oh, definitely. And she's like, well, actually, David, I'm (laughs) going to say that you can't have any of my shit and you can't have me unless you sign this piece of paper.
2: But if you do leave me, I'm having half of everything you've got, motherfucker.
0: Well, anyway, (laughs) it should be
2: be
0: everything. And I'll take a lot. I'll even have your kidneys, your lungs, and you'll be dead, all right?
2: And even though we're divorced, when you do die, I get the rest
0: of mates because me and you forever. Yeah, this, it's just. Yeah, it's a bit it creepy now thinking about it. It here. is. Yeah. <laughs> it is, Bachelor. How would you meet? Oh, basically, I got a phone call. It was kind of weird. And he said, Can you move the lamp? So I was like, uh, Yeah. So I moved the lamp out of the way. And then I, I could, and that was it. And all of a sudden he knocked at your front door. It was weird.
2: <laughs> it's arranged marriages. I can't get my head around.
0: So, at this day and age, mate, it's, yeah, I feel yeah. For, for that community.
2: Like, that has got to be so weird. Hi, meet this girl. Hi, hi. You're getting married in a couple of weeks. Wait, what? Who the fuck? I don't know who she is. What?
0: <laughs> yeah, I used to work with one of the spectators who had to do that, and she was not happy.
2: Yeah, I can imagine. At all. It's a bit of a weird one. I've ne- and it's, yeah, it's been going on it's, like, a, time, it's we,
0: like We tell you who you love. You don't decide to be yourself. You have no choice in this. It's, it's
2: not even a new thing, is it? It's like medieval times. It's like, I tell you what, if my son can marry your daughter, you can have half of my land. Sound.
0: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, this is the way Weird. to say that. It's not, not anymore. Not Weird. anymore. But we should definitely move on before we start touching subjects we shouldn't. what else is Callum Trichiners? This in the
3: X-Men series,
0: Cyclops' real superpower is his eyelids as they stop his lasers cutting through people. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Super strong eyelid. That is amazing. That is
2: Oh, gee, he's gonna kill me this week. Super strength eyelids—that is really true.
0: Why you got you? How how you managed to keep those lasers at bay, Cyclops? So or basically, I've got super strong eyelids. Like <laughs> I have nothing else to add to this equation, apart from the fact that I, I have amazing at closing my eyes.
2: Like well, I can't control what happens when I open them.
0: So that's not really a
2: superpower. It's more of a and a hindrance, if anything. But my power—these eyelids, strong as fuck, mate. Strong as fuck. <laughs>
0: So he'd be, he'd be, do you reckon, right, if he went down in June gray she'd be shitting herself the entire time. You're going to have to fumble, Scott. You're going to have to fumble. Don't fucking open your eyes. <laughs> Just find your way. You'll be all
2: right. Just use your hands, Scott. It's fine. Just don't open your fucking eyes. Whatever you do.
0: Oh, God, you'd be at, you'd be at, uh, unless it goes the other the same way. And then he, he starts sucking dick. Like, please just don't fucking open your eyes, God, whatever <laughs> you do, do not chop that PP off. <laughs> chop it, chop it, PP. Sorry. Imagine he gets that,
2: and he's absolutely awful. This was not worth the risk reward ratio. Bloody terrible. Mind, <laughs> mind you,
0: if, if he's having sex, when you get to the point of when you're about to ejaculate, you lose all control of yourself. That's some very uh, good points. Yeah. see so you mate. Like... going <laughs> 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 like, Fuck, that's the best look I've ever had. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Where's the house gone? Where's the
2: house gone? <laughs> My roof's gone, but I feel <laughs> fucking great.
0: <laughs> that's such a mental... Because sunglasses were done, didn't they? He didn't have his eyes closed, so with sunglasses on. No, we had some like weird eye didn't we? Did he have no, some? I meant when he's when he's no when he's normal when he's got sunglasses. He has
2: sunglasses on. I was going to say he has special sunglasses, doesn't he? Yeah. Because hmm. you can't walk around with your eyes shut, surely. No, I remember he because I know he had the, like the Cyclops goggle thing. I don't know what they're called, but the goggles. visor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I swear, in the movies, he did just have sunglasses at some point, didn't he? Yes, he did, didn't he? Yeah.
0: That must be some fucking strong sunglasses. You, I'm gonna make you proud, Rabbi, Now, Drunken Wolf looked at him and went, "That looks fucking cool." Oh, I'm so proud of you. It is Wolf, isn't it, that has the gold visor. Oh, you have Geordie.
1: Damn it!
2: Geordie. But close. But the fact I was still proud regardless because you, it was a Star Trek character from the correct season. So I was proud regardless. Oh
0: is actually, okay, I don't that's actually know. About thing, that. It's I, fine. I just winged it. <laughs> I remember it being some wolf creature, and that's all I remember. Yeah,
2: Wolf is the Klingon. Geordie is a human with dodgy eyes.
0: So he has his little visor. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, cool. Alright, we'll move yeah. on before I make myself look even more stupid. Um, <laughs> and finally, Jamie, what <laughs> else is Callum in week this? Do you think the Pope sits there knowing it's all bullshit and just sort of thinks, I have a crazy wonderful life?
1: <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs>
0: literally there it's like this is great right like, you all think i can talk to god and i just i just sit here and just enjoy just enjoy life this is great and then every, every now and again i go to the window to talk to people just to tell them some random shit you should all push a wheelbarrow on a sunday between the hours of 12 and 2 only carrying the chimney if someone needs said chimney, you take it to them. But if it goes past 2pm, you leave, said Wheelbarrow there. <laughs> and as Jeremiah said to Judas, dogs and cats will mate eventually, but for now they shall still hate each other. For now we shall eat the rabbit from the breast of a duck. Only at 5pm on a Tuesday, when the sun is <laughs> the sun is at half-mast, <laughs> I could just say, well, I don't shit, he believe it all anyway. So. <laughs> oh, my weird Pokémon wagon is here, where I sit in the box and you could all wave at me for no fucking reason whatsoever. Bless ye, bless ye, and all that other shit. What season is that Easter? Yeah, because of <laughs> course rabbits bring chocolate, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> that is literally
2: the only job in this world where they literally go, we think this guy exists, so we need someone in charge. Let's give him a fuck ton of money and a big hat.
0: <laughs> and a staff.
2: And a big staff. Let's
0: make him, let's make him think he's a like, shit version of Sauron. I'm
2: sure that episode of Family got they're trying to get him ready in the morning. I don't know, I don't know what had a pulpit today. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fact they vote in a pope by burning paper. It's fucking great. I love that. It's so, so weird, man. Like it's <laughs> just like, oh,
0: it's you today, Dave. You're going in. You know, what? it's it's me. I, I, I'm poor now, man. Bloody hell, I'm only twenty-four. Wonderful. <laughs> I'll be around for ages.
2: <laughs> but Dave, you got to change your name. It's got to be one of the disciples' names. All right, so go ch- Go pick one. <laughs> oh, fucking, I'll be Michael, I guess I'll be <laughs> Michael,
0: All right. You know, I'll just get, get shit-faced every day.
2: Fucking amazing. Drink wine. <laughs> I do love the it idea of that it. happening, though. Just the Pope sat on the toilet one day and be like, this is weird life, isn't
1: it? <laughs> do you exist? <agree?"> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck if <diviner>. I <laughs> This
0: is amazing. Football's on, the bit. <laughs> What's that, <Talia>? <laughs> 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 incredible. I get paid just to sit here and tell people bollocks. So, What a job. Callum, these are stellar this week. Fucking absolutely brilliant this stellar. week. Stellar, absolutely oh. amazing. And as always, Jamie, this is the shit because I now have to fucking follow this. Yes, every you do. Week. Yes, he you do. He sets me up every single time. Oh, time Tom's journal. Read to me. And welcome to another edition of Tom's journal. You'll have to have a mental image of this. I might send you the picture just to just to prove my point. Okay. But don't you think kangaroos are just deer that have been to prison? (laughs) (laughs) Why been to prison? Because kangaroos are like, fucking come on then. Absolutely (laughs) huge motherfuckers and deer are like, Hiya. "Mm, grass is nice. (laughs) That's a very good point. Kangaroo's like, cool, <laughs> there you little fucking frick. I'll fucking smash his face in.
1: <laughs> I like that.
0: <sighs> oh. <laughs> then Jamie, right? Bada bing! And I can't stress this enough. Bada boom. <laughs> <For laughs> <sake. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> this was a conversation that I found from a dating app called Hinge where you can put comments or questions in and people can respond to them if they wish to do so okay so this, I think this is the girl that said, I'll fall for you if you push me over okay, and the guy wrote, do you want to push each other over then and she put, oh my god, yes please Literally Two hours had gone by Okay Two hours Jamie Well I know a brain dead Fucking starting a conversation Not fucking replying Why do I Why do these boys Even have this Like why What's the point It's fucking annoying So she replies I used work Gemma Calm down
2: <laughs> Dating apps are fucking weird I'm so glad I never had to deal With that crazy ass world <laughs> <laughs>
0: so true. This is so true. It's fatal to ask your family if they want a cup of tea. Oh, yeah. Starts the the polite offer, and suddenly it's like you've clocked in for a shift at Starbucks.
2: (laughs) Well, to be fair, unless it's my dad, you don't even get to offer. You just walks in and goes, put a kettle on, son. I guess I'm making you a brew then, am I? Thanks, Dad.
0: Thanks. So, this is a genuine train sign. Penrith the North Lakes keep back from the platform edge or you might get sucked off (laughs) don't threaten me with a good time
2: they knew what they were doing when they made that sign they must have known what they were doing (laughs) that's the same guy that worked for the zoo last week he's having a good time making
0: signs everywhere you loved that didn't you you loved that last week you thoroughly enjoyed that um Ghostface is the scariest movie of all time because he always wants to talk on the phone. That is my worst nightmare.
2: That is, that's the scariest part of Scream to me: someone phoning me, not being chased by a killer.
1: <laughs> what are you ringing me for?
2: <laughs> What's your favourite movie?
0: Why? Well, uh, just text me, Demi. <laughs> <laughs> why do Americans refer to Europe like it's one whole country? What? When I went to Europe. When I went to Europe, where did you go, mate? Barcelona or Doncaster? <laughs> I, when I went to Europe.
2: It's so true, though. <laughs> it's not so many as small countries. as America's makes out. Slow goods. They fucking ran Europe. Alone with Dark of all the places to pick,
0: (laughs) but there is no truer, stronger bond between a British person and a cheap, colorful mug that got on Easter egg 24 years
2: ago. (laughs) Oh, yes, I was gutted the day my uh, mini egg mug broke.
0: Oh, mini eggs, I think my mug still got hers, (laughs) (laughs) probably that and cream egg, and they had that really thin, and they had a weird, like, big lip at the top.
2: Yes. I wish I still had one of mine.
0: Like this really brown
2: smarties me. one. Sorry, I remember that one?
0: That's right. I don't remember that one at all. Yeah, yeah,
2: the brown smarties mug. I remember people having those.
0: No, no. This really reminds me that Muhammad Ali. Look like a butterfly, jellyfish. Yeah, sure done. <laughs> Muhammad, Muhammad Ali, it's still like a bee, jellyfish. Fuck, I'm nailing this. <laughs> Bruce Lee. Empty your mind, be formless, shapeless like water. Jellyfish, But I could not be any more mindless or like water if I tried. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jellyfish, the unsung hero of the ocean. Is it? Come on, you, you literally just said how it's like Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali. It
0: is... Yes, yeah, it's very, very true. It is. Come on. The thing's invincible, and it'll just kill you as you touch it, and it's see-through. Yeah, mental. obviously. Such a mental fucking... And they're really creature to create. So, I was in a restaurant. Waiter comes over with, with the cheese. Waiter, break the cheese. Just say when. Me. Me. <laughs> Waiter, sir, that was an entire block of cheese. Me leaning in way too close. Yeah? Go get
2: another. <laughs> that would be Becky's dad, that would. Uh, that would be Becky's dad. I've seen that man have more cheese on his, on his spag bowl than he has bowl. Uh, it's impressive amount Really? Cheese. Yeah, it's like... That's almost balance it as he walks into the room. Like, whoa, whoa. That's whoa. <laughs> is
0: Next door see dish there at a party. Playing right, all the current music and being generally cool. So, my dad's linked his phone to their Bluetooth
2: to play Agadoo and they can't turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> is there a more annoying party song than Agadoo? You know we're talking about, uh, don't we? We're talking about well,
0: song, yeah. the music man
2: said Agadoo was another one. Agadoo, do, do, push pineapple, shake the tree. Hang it. Fucking annoying as anything that song is. <laughs>
0: Enjoy that for the rest of
2: the (laughs) movie. To the left, to the right. Yeah, it's already in my head. Cheers, sir.
0: (laughs) And finally, Jamie, and finally, my favourite part of Kitchen Nightmares is when the people who applied to be on Kitchen Nightmares are surprised when Gordon tells them their kitchen's a fucking nightmare.
2: (laughs) 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 That is the one thing that's always baffled me with reality shows and they act surprised about things like, you applied for this show. You know what is coming. You know what to expect. Why are you surprised?
0: Why are you keeping chicken in the oven? It's been there for weeks. But that's hard-cooked chicken. And people love it. They love it. <laughs> no, this, they don't. This is not a normal? No? Is it not a normal? It's not my always a things, thing, sir. Yeah, I, I, I think they might the, the greatest chef that's ever lived. It's like, <laughs> what is wrong with you?
2: This is the greatest kitchen in the world. I'll apply for kitchen nightmares for him to come and say, this
0: isn't a nightmare. This is a great. I wonder if they do it just for the publicity. Oh, yeah. Blankly, you'll do it for the publicity. Yeah. I think like 90% of the kitchens, are, of the restaurants are all closed down now for that show. Probably. Like every series as well. Mental.
2: The cynic in me says, it's not actually that bad normally. They've made it worse just for the show, just to get themselves famous on there. Do you, reckon? Do you want to be famous for having a shit
0: kitchen? Well, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And Jamie, we'll leave it there. And that was another edition of Tom's Journal. And
2: a beautiful journal it was.
0: Thank you so much, Sam. It's graciously appreciated. I do believe that we should now bring in that piece. Oh, we definitely should bring in that piece. May it's been the piece of resistance.
2: Welcome to the Chronicles of Alex Siegel. Alex Siegel is the managing director for InterTalent Agency, a talent agency group based here in the UK in London. It's one of the biggest in the UK. This is a guest unlike anyone we have ever had before. This is absolutely amazing. This is such a unique interview for us. Like I said, like no one we've had before. It's amazing to see how behind the scenes works and the people that he has worked with. Some amazing people, Joan Collins, Wade Barrett from the WWE. I'm going to pronounce it wrong again. Omid Charlie, Omid, Omid Jalili. Yeah, see, I wasn't going to get that right. if My fucking life depended on it. But you know, all different people with different walks of life and it's amazing to see how talent management has changed over the years, which is something we discussed with Alex. Yeah, this is so fucking good. I really, really enjoyed this one.
0: And he also looks after Jacqueline Josser and Scarlett Douglas. So there's quite a vast array of people on the old books there. Alex is also a massive Tottenham Hotspur fan. So for new people that may uh, football and enjoy listening to talk about, because I can't get my words out, a conversation about Spurs, and you're in for a fucking treat. So, uh, yeah, and then my knowledge of football comes in with, I haven't got a fucking clue what I'm talking about. So I should have left, uh, <laughs> I, should have kept, I should have kept the guns in the holsters, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the guns in the holsters, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. This we really appreciate it for you taking time. I know how bloody busy you are, um, so it's massively appreciated. And I hope you guys enjoy this one. Jimmy, <laughs> yes,
1: sir.
0: Any of those words of yours at all that
2: happen to be final? just a massive thank you to Alex really appreciate you coming on the show and a little shout out to my friend Lisa who I work with who put me in touch with so really appreciate that as well thank you very much Lisa
0: thank you so much Lisa we appreciate it ladies and gentlemen here we go ladies and gentlemen interviewing this week it's Alex Siegel
3: Um, it's fine anyway I digress it's, it's nice good. to meet
0: you it's both it's a thank pleasure you. thank you so much for coming on I'd like to see awesome. uh we appreciate it after you smashed your hip to pieces so
3: yeah um, it's um yeah it's been a hell of a hell of a four four months i would say not quite what i was expecting but um you know that's uh i'm pleased to be on this side of it when you're at the beginning of it you're like you just feel like you're never ever gonna like walk again and all that shit yeah but you know what it's amazing because when you're when you're um when your back's against the wall and you have to come out fighting, you you, you find this like I don't know whatever that you didn't ever think you ever had like this spirit. It just happens. Like you just have to get up and move your ass. <laughs> it's, it's you know, um yeah. I'm not I'm not made for the gym. That's not my natural habitat. But I've been in the gym more times than I care to care to count recently. And uh, yeah, never would have thought that in a month of Sundays. So there we go. That's uh, anyway if, guess... don't, if it's on your bucket list breaking a hip take it off i've tried it it's not all it's cracked up to be just uh you know move on to the next thing
0: oh bless really you good. dude well i mean obviously the physio is obviously the main thing isn't it at the end of the day so
3: as long as you're on the road to recovery that's all that matters yeah man just got a slight limp left a very slight one and uh working hard to uh it's funny because the the bone heals quickly relatively quickly it's the muscles when they after surgery they kind of have to sort of cut through your muscles that's what takes a long time it's amazing the other the other day i started with a new physio bearing in mind i've I've been off crutches since the beginning of feb so i was feeling pretty smug and happy and (laughs) she said right i'm going to test where you're up to i just want you to hop on your leg like hop on your right leg and i was like oh fuck i'm not thought about hopping i was like yeah (laughs) listen i can walk like i can speed walk i can hop this is easy and she was like go on then couldn't hop couldn't do one hop on my leg
2: shit
3: because it means when you hop it means putting all of your body weight including your other leg mm. down that one leg and it sounds so silly but like it just told her that my muscles in my leg definitely weren't strong as they should be so it was amazing because i was like i never in four months i've never thought about hopping and she was like just hop once for me And i was like what the fuck is this and then i, <laughs> I couldn't do it i couldn't do it so, yes. like,
2: i can't say i've really thought about hopping since i was in like junior school so i get it no
3: <laughs> and my three-year-old was running like when i told when i said it out loud she starts hopping like she's just taking the piss out of me uh <laughs> just like, like you know what they're like so anyway
0: so jamie's gonna lure you in with like a really nice introduction like it's that sort of false sense of security type feel where you'd be like do you know what i'm actually quite happy i'm here and then like i said we're gonna
3: fucking destroy you with questions how does that sound it sounds like good cop bad cop i like that (laughs) jamie's good cop tom's bad cop i can see how this is gonna gonna go perfect no problem can can you hear me all right by the way this is the sound okay yeah great yes perfect yeah Uh, perfect right let's do this little intro
2: ladies and gentlemen this week we bring you a guest unlike anyone we have ever had before as you know on this show we don't just like to talk to people in the limelight Also those behind the scenes making things happen. Today's guest is a managing director for one of the biggest UK talent agencies, Intertalent. With a history spanning over 30 years, this company represents clients like WWE Stu Bennett, Omid Dijali, Ross Kemp and even legends like Joan Collins and Boy George. Ladies and gentlemen, today we bring you the chronicles of Alex Segal.
3: Thank you guys, thank you for having me. Um, I love that you, you led with Stu, that makes my heart feel warm and fuzzy because he's one of my favorite people and um he's 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 based in america a lot of the time so i don't get to see him that often but um he's one of my favorite are you are you both wwe fans yeah that's exactly why we led with him <laughs> i love it i love it he's a he's a he's a great guy a great guy and he's obviously doing a hell of a lot there now obviously on smackdown um and nxt before that and he deserves it he's very very good very good.
0: I just, I just wanted to, do, I wanted to do bad news commentary. That's yeah. what, that's what bad news for commentary all the time. It'd be great.
3: I know, it's so like, I don't know. They, they, oh, I, I'm sure they entice, they try and entice him back into the ring, but he just, I think he's very happy sitting there doing his <laughs> thing, wearing yeah. a smart suit every week. Um, it's a lot of traveling, obviously all around the country. Whenever he's, I'm talking to, he's about to get on a plane somewhere. It's incredible the amount of air miles those guys rack up um around the world really but um no he's a he's a top guy he's um you know at six six and and i'm i'm i pretend i'm five eleven but i'm not i'm definitely more like 5'8 five, 5'9 five, so when we're together it really is like little and large um <laughs> but no he's uh he's one of my favorite people for sure
0: um so I wanna normally I lead I'm gonna go a different way quickly.
3: Um how tough is it being a Tottenham fan? <laughs> <laughs> um God, it's tough. It is tough. It's you know, I've been I've had a season ticket for I'm 36, right? I've definitely had a season ticket for uh I'd say 28 years now at Spurs. Oh. And every single year we always end with there's always next year. There's always yeah. next year. There's always next season. There's always next year. Um, and, yeah, do you know what? It, things have been obviously pretty good the last six or seven years, as opposed to the first years that I was doing under Jerry Francis and Christian Gross and miserable times back then, George Graham. But um, so I can't really complain now. We just need to we, – we're just so – oh, like uh, – the consistency is incredible you know recently to beat Chelsea and Man City and then to lose to Sheffield United and um and Wolves it's just you just sort of pulling your hair out but um no it's a lot of fun being a Spurs fan it's a lot of misery at the same time who do you guys support Jamie's not a football fan Um, well listen I think you've got it you've done it well because there's no misery. because when exactly. spurs when spurs lose i'm done right they get me more than anything like you know i could have a bad day at the office but i can leave that i can leave that at the door you know i and this can happen that can happen i can leave that at the door but um in terms of um spurs if we lose especially a game that we should win don't talk to me for at least 36 hours it, i am <laughs> in a foul mood you know it, i just i'm gone absolutely gone it honestly ruins my whole day and I thought, as I got older, I would care less. But weirdly, as I've got older, I seem to care more. And I don't know how that's happened. But Jamie, I think you've got—I think you've gone the right yeah. way about it. To be fair,
2: I was a Villa fan when I was a kid, but it just yeah fell off. It never really took my fancy. See,
3: the, you see, Villa the same as us, average as they come. You don't care. I missed that chance to not care. I should have bowed out years ago. <laughs> what about you, Tom? <laughs> Um, I'm from Aberdeen, so I'm an Aberdeen fan. So I can't talk about anything being from the SPL. Because do you, do you not find that being a fan of a Scottish team that isn't Celtic and Rangers just really like predictable? I guess in terms of the outcome of things, like how do you feel?
0: I suppose I suppose so. I mean, we do give them a run for their money for about ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was and then obviously all hell breaks loose and it's like, oh, okay, business as usual. Got it. Um but I love I kind of love it in a way, like I suppose because Scottish fans are so passionate, it's insane. And, um so I I I prefer to watch the internationals more than the club games, to be honest. And is it
3: annoying that Aberdeen is mainly known for being where Sir Alex Ferguson started, as opposed to like they like, Aberdeen, yeah. oh it's that club, and you're like, yeah. Great, all over the northeast that no one really gives a shit about. Next to yeah.
0: Peterhead, who's where's, where's Peterhead? Who the fuck gives a shit about that? <laughs> I've never heard of Peterhead. There you They're go. In like League Two, I think, in the Scottish Division. So, yeah, that that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Slight, 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 uh, little slight. Let, let's, let's move away. <laughs> let's move away. What I would say those Aberdeen's a proper football club. So you know you've got that. You know none yeah, of this I, none, I, none of this Wrexham rubbish. You know proper football club. <laughs> Aberdeen yeah (laughs) where celebrities are going to start buying everybody out now who's the most Um, famous fan of Aberdeen like is there a celebrity fan
0: off the top of my head
3: besides you Tom no No idea so who do they they parade out at half time no one just the the cleaner yeah yeah. (laughs) or like ex-players I guess got it Got it, got it. Anyway, it's pretty, we digress. It's pretty cool
0: track yes. Anyway,
3: sorry. Yeah. Um
0: let's get down to yourself, my friend. So, how obviously have the last few years been with the pandemic and everything?
3: How uh how have the last few years been for you? Oh, it's been tough. It's it's been interesting. Uh Instant as a company has many different divisions, which allowed us, luckily, to sort of pivot slightly in two ways. So in our acting division, which is one of our main divisions it was obviously terrible you know West End was down, theatre across the country was down, TV and film sets were ground to a halt so that was pretty bad but in our sort of what we call unscripted division which is TV presenters, radio presenters, podcasts, things like that obviously a lot of that was able to continue you know especially radio and podcasts and TV found its feet uh, pretty quickly so I kind of likened it to that bit in the Titanic when half the ship is like underwater and the other half is is beaming bright lights (laughs) at the top. So that was kind of how it was. We had one side of the room like busy, thriving, and the other side of the room was just looking miserable with nothing to do. But we slowly worked through it uh, as best as we could. The other thing we managed to do um, very quickly was pivot into the one thing that did take off around that time, which was NFTs and I know obviously NFTs have had a bit of a dodgy time but we managed to find ourselves with an NFT business that for at least two years I would say uh was thriving um and and that kind of helped us but no it was tough because it was more the people you know we've got a lot of clients here whose livelihoods were destroyed you know there's Rishi telling everyone to retrain as plumbers or whatever they were he was doing at the time and it was tough and you know we were trying to make sure we didn't have to make anyone redundant and, and everyone was having to take pay cuts. So we had a very, it was a very difficult time, but I'm pleased to say we're through it and every division is back thriving. And we've got um 10 more people in our team now than we did back in 2020. We've just moved office to Soho to an, a bigger office because we needed it. So it feels like things are, uh, it feels like a distant memory for sure. But yeah, it was pretty, pretty rough at the time. Yeah, a lot. I, I love hearing
2: stories of people coming out of it
3: at the other end. Being like, "Yeah, it was shit, yeah. but
2: you know, we're here now. No, do you know, we're better than ever." Do
3: you know what, Jamie? It, you know, we obviously there are other talent agencies that are our competitors. You know, I, I love them more as people. I've got a lot of friends there, but as as companies, you want to be the most successful and win. And we saw that a lot of them were getting rid of their offices. Obviously, coming out of COVID, a lot of them were were doing working from home full time and. um and of course we now have a bit of flexibility in our team, but we were like, look, you know, our clients can't work from home. You know, Stu doesn't work from home. He's got to get up and go. And 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 so, you know, you don't want your agent sitting on their sofa or working from their bedroom, you know, and I, 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 we we felt very clearly that if we're gonna make something of this company and go forward, we need to be seen and be here. And so whilst everyone else was was sort of scaling down, we took the risk and started scaling up, hiring people, um, going into different worlds like the NFTs. You know, we've now moved into an office three times as big as the one we were in. You know, we're, we're, we're being bold because I feel like that's how we're going to, we're going to win. So yeah, so far so good.
2: Love it. So take us back to the days of young master Siegel. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Was it, Something completely different to what you're doing now? Uh, well, I didn't want to play for
3: Aberdeen, um, but... Um, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, no, do you know what? I I wanted to... Initially, I wanted to be a footballer because we all did, right? And that's kind of facts. And then most people in this industry start on the whole by wanting to be an actor. Like, that's kind of... You get there. And I had seen a few shows in the West End... Um, from lame miz to We Will Rock You to Guys and Dolls and other things. And I was just blown away with just the spectacle of it all. And I was like, yeah, well, I think I want to be an actor. And then you, gradually you realize that you're no good at it. I can remember very clearly, um, and I clearly I've still got PTSD from this, but uh, yeah. in sixth form at school, we were doing Grease. And I can't sing, I know I can't sing, but I audition thinking no one else can really sing either. And look, At the very best, I'd like to be a T-Bird. And at the very worst, I'll take Eugene, right? I'll take Eugene at this point, right? He doesn't sing. He's got some good lines. I'll take it. So I auditioned. And then, obviously, they put it on the board, don't they? They pin it to the board, very old school. And you start looking for your name. You scroll down. And I saw my name next to uh, neither a T-Bird or Eugene. It was next to the words, uh, lighting operator, and, um, that's that's like not even like behind the audience right behind the audience and not even like lighting director I didn't I wasn't even tasked with creating lighting I was just tasked with pushing the on and off button and so <laughs> I kind of at that point at 17 I was like I'm not sure this is going to work out for me um and uh you know <laughs> I think from that moment I realized a life behind the scenes was a, was going to beckon for me. I didn't know what, but um, that was definitely. Um, uh, that was definitely a moment in time where I was like, Yeah, I think um, I'm going to have to rethink this whole situation. Oh,
0: bless <laughs> you! I can I can imagine it was Thursday 10am. I it just had the... toast for breakfast. <laughs>
3: exactly. I, can, I can actually remember going up to the board and with all my mates who got like, you know, Rizzo and whatever, and I just had to I just, you know, the smile was the fakest smile I think I've ever given in my life of like, oh I'm so happy. I get to <laughs> I get to not go to a single rehearsal and just push on and off and hope that my name's in the program. <laughs>
2: you went on from there to do theatre production, didn't you? Like theatre producing. Yeah,
3: so so after that moment, I um <laughs> I started to get interested in the other side of things. Um but I, I couldn't quite work out what to do or what anything was what any jobs were and i found this course at portsmouth uni called creative arts which was basically a bit of everything a bit of acting a bit of stage design a bit of writing a bit of film it's just a bit of directing a bit of everything and and i thought you know what i don't know what i want to do but i know i want to be in this world and i was t- and i want to take it very seriously so i i got onto that course at uni so i grew up in essex in chigwell in essex and um and then went down to the south coast which i absolutely love like i love my three years at portsmouth um albeit the only time it was worth going to the sea was in the summer and no one's there in the summer so it, it was pretty cold um and a stony beach but other than that i did love my time at portsmouth um and yeah i did creative arts and, and i kind of um but funny enough the one thing you didn't do on this course was producing right um you did everything else the producing came because i ended up putting on some shows at university and i really enjoyed it and i was just like you know what's this is this a job like putting things on and somebody said to me yeah it's a producer and i was like being like a light bulb just went off and i was like i'm gonna be a producer um and uh it's kind of like a moment from from the producers like from the film or the show where i was like right this is what i'm gonna do and and i loved it and um uh and weirdly my course did everything but that but I love putting on shows and um it just felt like the right amount of creativity and business quite liked it I didn't see myself as a businessman at all I had no business acumen in any way shape or form you know I wanted to be in a theatre so anyway I, I went down that path and at the end of my degree having done great musicals in the theatres there and loving it I um I found a producing degree at Central School of Speech and Drama which was The most overwhelming, if I have to think of what has been the most overwhelming sort of career experience was doing my one year at Central was pretty, pretty overwhelming. I don't know if you guys have heard of the school, but it's one of the biggest sort of drama schools in the UK. And when you you go there, it's in North London, when you go there, in the stairs on the way up outside, engraved in the stairs are the names of people that had been at that school, right? And so Laurence Olivier is on the steps. You know, Dawn French is on the steps. Graham Norton's on the step. Uh, Gail Garcia Bernal's on the step. Like, so many people are on these steps. And um, I went there, and just walking up the steps every day gave me the jitters. But I went there and had a great year. I was the youngest person there. You know, the oldest was 50. We had about 18 different nationalities in my class. Um, and I felt like I didn't have any life experience compared to all of these guys and girls. Um you know there were some amazing actors there kit harrington was there whilst i was there like there were some amazing people there um and it was quite an overwhelming year doing your you know especially when you're not there for three years like you know the, they love the bas right the ma's were a bit like whatever the bas were there so um but to be fair it gave me so many contacts and probably without going to central i, I don't think i'd be here at all um but i was focused on being a theater producer um I've Done a few bits and bobs in between being there. I'd worked at the old Vic for a bit, um, which was amazing. Uh it was the time when, when Kevin Spacey was running it. I know I can't really say that anymore, but it was the time when Kevin Spacey was running it and he he had all these different um different uh schemes going on and um all, all the all the all these different schemes going on. <laughs> um and it was just great. I absolutely loved it, and um, yeah, I just wanted to be a theatre producer, but I wasn't you know most theatre producers or some of them obviously have very deep pockets and I didn't you know you know it's um it's all about raising investment finances etc that ended up being a lot more about the job than the creative side really because without raising the money and without um being able to financially put on the show it doesn't matter how creative you are you've got got nothing to to show so yeah but I have to say it, it was um I loved it for the short time I was in theatre production afterwards at different companies working in the West End in London you know your your office being as you know a West End theatre for a bit it's pretty like insane especially when I think about you know I was only like 21 22 23 and just assisting on shows and whatever and thinking that back at 15 16 I was watching these shows and it was wowing me I was like you know it was a dream come true at the time um but it didn't last long. I didn't stick around very long. Um, but um, I stuck around as much as you stuck around with Aston Villa, Jamie, by the sounds of things. so um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool, I have to say.
0: Just um, going back to Portsmouth a second.
3: Who looks mm. at a beach
0: and goes, I know what that needs? Pedals. <laughs> <laughs> it,
3: it was like, Do you know what? I just... You know what? Uni is what you make of it, right? Where did you guys? Did you guys go to uni? Yeah, I went to Nottingham. Oh, Nottingham's a great place to go to uni. My brother, my brother was at Nottingham Trent. Although you have to cop when you say Trent, right? Because you want to make people think it's Nottingham. So you're at Nottingham. Trent. I was. I
0: was. At, I was. At oh, well. you were at Trent. So you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just the lies of people that went to Nottingham Trent. No one owns up to it ever. Well, I feel so bad for you know that yeah, university. I loved
0: it. I- I loved it there. It was great. It's great city. Incredible city. It's I mean, yeah. there's some area, there's some questionable places there, but it's still a great place. Rock did they city. call it? Did they call it Shottingham
3: at one point? Was that a yeah. that real thing?
0: Yeah, that's yeah. what I remember. I remember walking out my halls once, and and the police stopped me and went, "Sorry, where are you going? And why are you on your own?" They're like,
3: well, I was going to the shop. It's there. <laughs> yeah, can you go back inside, please? Uh, okay. <laughs> oh my God. It's um. Nottingham, yeah, Nottingham's a great place, but uni is what you make of it, and I think that it doesn't matter where you go. Like, you can have the best time or the worst, and obviously, in it, I mean, you probably had this right in your first year. There are people that just drop away, that pull out in the within the first year, and I'm always, I'm sort of at the time I was like, why are they not seeing what I'm seeing? Because I'm loving my life, going to writing class and film class, and you know, we're watching all these films and studying them and theatre, and I was just like, man, this is amazing, like this is incredible but it is what you make of it. And, and I was definitely someone who was known as, I was definitely a big fish in a small pond, right? You know, I was one of the only ones, there's a few others who really took it seriously and wanted to actually make a career out of this. A lot of people chose creative arts because they had to go to uni and there was nothing else to choose. And it sounds like that kind of dust subject that you just want to want to do. And um, I remember one girl we were meant to be doing a show on a Tuesday night and I'll never think it's a true story and we're meant to or rehearsals we're meant to be doing something on a Tuesday night this is for her degree and she went to the lecturer and said can I miss it because I can't miss Holby City on a Tuesday can I go and watch it and I was like what and I was just like like honestly like (laughs) she literally refused to miss Holby City on a Tuesday (laughs) What? and I was like mate this is the show like (laughs) the snipe player exists (laughs) not in um no man i'm old not in uh 2005 six but um vhs existed you could have pressed the you know when you had to press the play and the record button at the same time yeah Yeah. you know and then you had to over like i used to like record episodes of dream team like that i used to record dream team on sky one and watch it and then record the next week's over Harchester (laughs) united great show great show um (laughs) But um, um, footballers' wives had nothing on Dream Team. But that's a different conversation. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, she wanted to watch Holby. So I definitely uh, made it. But, no, Portsmouth was amazing. It was just freezing. Absolutely freezing. Yeah. Yeah. That French wind. Future. That That's not yeah. a euphemism either. That French wind was coming <laughs> in. <laughs> Big time. Big time. Oh. But, um Yeah. <laughs>
2: So before we talk about your work in talent management I feel we should clarify for those who don't really know what exactly is the role of a talent agent what sort of services do you provide?
3: Sure so um, obviously as we go on and digital the digital world has come to it you know there are so many different areas of managing of talent right it used to be you know predominantly actors and now then tv presenters and radio presenters and then you know you've got music and comedy and now all of a sudden you've got content creators and influencers and podcast hosts and every, like lots of people have have agents um and uh my job really in the job of any talent agent or, man, uh, or manager is to represent their client and create opportunities for them you know it's it's a very creative and business job you know I'm there trying to create jobs for them and then negotiating their deals to do the job um, hopefully they'll have a publicist but if they don't we'll do a bit of that as well um, and also protect them you know I think that um, like any freelancer in any line of work when you're dealing directly on something you know people can take liberties sometimes and my job is there to make sure that they're treated right things go swimmingly um and ultimately it's to progress their career right it's about the relationships that I have the the knowledge I have the experience I have the company um and representing talent who I believe in and I think are really talented and I think that when I realized that I wasn't going to be talent myself um I I realized that I knew what talent was I knew I had a you have to have a clear you have to have a clear taste as to who you think is talented and and go out and try and sign them so um yeah it's a really full-on job every day is different you never know who you want to approach and who approaches you um obviously you're there one minute you're negotiating a deal next minute you're pulling them out next minute you're doing a pr with that newspaper next minute you've got a call from the sun newspaper because your client's been in trouble next minute you're going to their opening night or you're going onto a set to watch them film something so it's a very um it's obviously, depending on who you represent, it can be obviously quite a glamorous experience. You know, I, you know I, I'm very fortunate I get to go to the BAFTAs, I get to go to the NTAs, I get to go to the Olivier's, I get to go to LA, I get to do all of that. But I do spend the majority of my day at my desk in the office on emails, you know, sending hundreds back and forth on the phone. Um, and it's a very... 24 7 job, it is not a nine to six job, you know, I'll get calls at midnight, I'll get calls on the weekend. That's just the nature of the beast. And the thing is about talent management is that it is a team and it is a collaboration between you and your client. But at the end of the day, if you can't meet their needs, it is still show business. It's not show friends. You know, if you can't meet their needs, then, you know, they'll probably try and find somebody that can. Um, So, you know, you have to if they're running at hundred miles an hour, you've got to run at 150. That's just the way it goes. So um, there's no degree for it. And there's no, um, you know, a lot of people get into it because they they are ex-performers or, um, you know, they've been in media maybe in some other way or in PR in some other way, but it's a very, um, it's a cool gig if you have the right clients. If you don't have clients that are very, are wanted, right it can be quite a tough gig as well because you're only making a percentage of what they make and if they're not making anything then obviously it's a tough spot to be in which is why covid was tough for us because you know none of our clients in our acting division were making any money and therefore we don't make any money it's as simple as that mm. um so um yeah it's a it's a lot of fun but it's definitely not entourage as as a lot of people hope it is there's not as many pool parties um, you know. Um, but it's it's not too dissimilar, realistically.
0: so well, you're gonna have to count me out the likes. So I'm not just so, no joking. Um, <laughs> so, how did you then transition from theatre
3: producing to talent agency? What made you want to make the jump? Um, what was I doing? I, you know what? I'd done a few. It's all right when you work for production company, big powerful production companies, because. You know they've got the money they can pay you but I, I was starting to do some shows freelance with some other producing friends and we made a show we did a show called uh, well which is really hard to say in an Essex accent well uh w-e-l-l well um which was an American play that was brought over and we had the opportunity to do it in a very small theatre near Trafalgar Square 100 seats um and it was quite a small little play as well. It was all set in the same set. It wasn't, you know, it was four, a cast of like four or five. We had the brilliant Natalie Casey from Two Pints of Log and a Packet of Chris in the lead role. We had Oliver Chris, who's been on to do some amazing things as well. Um, and it just worked brilliantly. Like, it was so good and I was enjoying my time. But I kept thinking, like, I've got nothing lined up. Like, this is just... Like, as soon as this is done, all the fanfare of being in the West End, I'm now back at home at my parents' house doing nothing. And then we got given the opportunity to do it for a month in a much bigger theatre, one of the main theatres in the West End, the, the Apollo, which is like a probably an eight hundred seat, nine hundred seat theatre. Same thing, and it just didn't work. It just was. It was a great education of like not every play works in every venue, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And it just didn't work. We still got hundred people coming, which is all right when you only have hundred seats, but when you have eight hundred seats, not <laughs> ideal um and it just got it went from five star reviews to one star reviews and i was like this is shit like this is not this is not what i want and and i had nothing else lined up and i don't know i was just feeling i was just starting to think that fundraising you know getting investment for plays was a pretty like awful life and experience like it was a slog raising money asking anyone for money even if it's a fiver to buy some chocolate is a, is not fun and um so I just was like, you know what, I'm, um, I'm out. But then my dad said to me, so I'm from a family of agents. My uncle was a football agent. Uh, my cousins are football agents. And my granddad, my dad's dad, was a music manager back in the sort of uh, 40s, 50s, wow. 60s. Um, and he said to me, like, all right, you love acting and you love actors, but like, why don't you try being a theatrical agent? and being in an office and, and I was just like dad you don't know me at all I want to be in a theatre yeah I've got no idea <laughs> um but to appease him and because I had nothing else going on I applied for an internship at uh, one of the biggest agencies in, in in London and I got it and yeah never looked back I, I just sort of fell in love in those three months that I was there it's just like my eyes just opened and like that was it. I was just like, this is what I want to do. Like the great thing about this is that everyone else has to have the money and they come to me with it rather than the other <laughs> way around. I was like, this is genius. Um, so um, I very quickly loved it, and it was a top acting agency, you know, they represented and they still do Robert Patterson and Dev Patel, and just amazing actors. And it was like, Whoa, my eyes opened. And I very quickly, that was only an internship, but I very quickly found an assistant position another top top agency this one was much more boutique there was only 10 of us uh the three and a half years I was there it was always nine nine females and me and um I loved it I, it was a tough experience like a really tough experience but um this agency represents um Daniel Radcliffe and Liam Neeson and Jimmy Nesbitt and Adrian Lester and all these amazing Imelda Staunton all these amazing actors and I worked with them all of them for three and a half years you know i was the assistant to the big boss of the company and it was just like the intensity was high the pressure was super high you couldn't muck anything up ever um the the problems were bigger the success was bigger you know this is when daniel for example was at the very was at the sort of doing harry Potter six and then seven ones and seven two like the stakes for him were so high and Liam was obviously doing the taken films and just everyone we were working with was just um it was unreal and I just fell in love with um working with such talented people and um you know being part of of their journey you know and being behind the scenes and pitching them for jobs and negotiating on jobs and going with them to things and I don't know. I just, it was. So I started off as an actor's agent. That's how I started. That You know, that that was, you know, I did three and a half years there and it was like money can't buy experience. It was just like, um, and when you're young, because I was definitely early 20s then, you know, it just feels like the best job in the world, like getting to work with these people, even though they weren't my clients. And if I left the next day, they'd move on to the next assistant. Like they, they're very nice and they were all great people. But, you know, I replace somebody, somebody replaced me. You know, you just move on. It's your boss is the one that's the important one. Um, And, you know, but at that time, oh, I mean, like, I don't know if I had an ego. I probably did. But, you know, working with those people, you're just like, oh, yeah, this is is great. But more importantly, I got my head down and and I worked hard um, and made a lot of friends. It's all about relationships and you just make a lot of friends. And um, I was one of the I I remember I was one of the first agents at the time sort of 2009 to be on twitter and talking about it and that's how i end up at this company because uh, my then boss of this company intertalent found me on twitter we were chatting over twitter and i was impressed with sort of what he was doing and he was impressed with what i was doing and that's how we first connected weirdly um back in the day but um yeah working with working with those people and, and getting to bump into them from time to time even still now is pretty um it reminds me of those days of like, just epic. But to be fair, you know, I say I'm from a family of agents, and and maybe it's in the genes. I don't know. It's just weird. You know, there's a lot of us in our family that do it. Um, um, and uh, yeah. I mean, look, they're all football agents, so maybe I should have done that because I'd probably be on an island in the Bahamas now rather than <laughs> rather than rather than chatting to you two. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's yeah, no, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever
0: wanted to randomly just like have the phone ring go? Sorry, boys, niece is calling. Won't be a minute. All right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, haven't done that. Do you know what? It's um, I don't know. Now you try and to be fair. When I was in my in my early twenties, I probably wouldn't have. I wouldn't have told everyone who listened to me that I was working with those guys. But now, where I'm at now, uh, you know. I always say the word client I never say the names and like you have you know you you kind of just grow up (laughs) (laughs) love Um, it but uh yeah who can blame you at that age being very? but I think um it was hard because it was a bit doggy dog like as I say like working with those people they were great but when you work with like top production companies and top studios or channels or my boss is one of my boss at that time and she still is one of the biggest agents in the uk bar none you know and cool you have to like yeah you can't if you're given a task or you're in charge of something you better see it through it's not um it wasn't a fun experience when i got things wrong put it that way um but um it was quite tough it was quite tough and you know but you you know i guess whenever you leave any job you sort of take the things you want to take into the next job and you obviously go you know what i'd never do that and when i'm in that position mm-hmm. um and uh yeah but no it was pretty it was pretty um and then you know my dad ultimately did know right and that's exactly what i fell into and i just love the whole the fact that it's so creative but also it's very entrepreneurial mm. you know it's a nice mix
2: so obviously you're saying you met your current boss on Twitter and moved it, but what made you want to make that move in the first place? Was it the pressure from the other job or something completely nah. different?
3: Do you know what? A, bit, a little bit. A little bit, I would say, was I was not enjoying it as much. Um, I was definitely starting to get the Sunday dreads. You know, mm. you, you don't want to You're think, oh, God. Um, and he used to have to read like three scripts every weekend, and that was – oh god that was tough and then you have to by monday morning you have to do a breakdown of each script every character the synopsis who we think we might have for it you know who's casting it and um three of them you know reading this 100 page you know it's 300 pages on a weekend like it was intense um and you know so i was starting to fall out of love with being there albeit i still love the job um but it was tough. Do you know what? When I'm you know coming to it wasn't called we weren't called internet at the time, we had a different name, but coming to this company, um, my then boss, it took three attempts to lure me over because I wanted to come because they were they were big in unscripted as we call it, but but sort of on the rise in scripted, so nowhere near the kind of clients that I've been working with at uh, my last place. But I like the fact that that I could have a say and I'd be a bigger cook in a smaller wheel, I guess. And actually make an impact i think one of the things that i found difficult at my last place was ultimately my boss is the ruler of the kingdom they're her clients i could see a few prom- people being promoted but they were still being acting like their assistants and i just thought you know what if i stay here I'll, I'll keep waving everyone else's flag i'll never wave my own flag and um i just thought now's the time but it took three times because leaving that big of a company and leaving those clients that I were assisting on, you know, it's very difficult to do. And I get it when we try and when we try and lure people over in similar positions at other big agencies who are assisting big names and they're reluctant to leave, I get it because, but ultimately I keep saying to them, they're not your clients. You need to make your own Daniel Radcliffe's and your own and Neeson's. And that's mm-hmm. kind of stuck with me, but it took my ex boss three, uh, three attempts to lure me over. And then in 2012, in 2012, I kind of like had the balls. I kind of got the balls to do it. And um I'm so pleased I did because um yeah, 10 years later I'm still here and I and, and obviously I run the company now. So it's um it's been an insane journey. Um but yeah, it wasn't easy. And it is quite it is this, you know, you know, I remember somebody telling me, you know, um when I was leaving that um um you know you'll never beat a company this good again and you'll never do this and you'll never oh. do that. And you'll be back. And like, um, you know, all that stuff and it just, you know, horrible, isn't it? Like you just, it's but um, yeah, pleased I did it. And, uh, and to come over to here for sure.
0: And then obviously made the youngest managing director in the 30 year history um, after, <laughs> yeah. after
3: eight years. So it's basically like a yeah. big, I do, like to, I do like to remind my chairman that I was five when he started the company. That doesn't go down well, ever. Um, but um, no, I, so I started at Intertalent uh, at the time, they so had a different name and I was representing actors. So I was representing, I started with no one. It's a daunting, it's so daunting because I'd, I'd grown so many relationships at this big agency. And I was like, well, when I move, they're going to sign with me. They're going to sign with me. They're going to sign, with me, gonna sign with me. And no one did because they were all like, they loved me when I was at this last place. And then you moved to a um, a place that was great in other worlds, but in this, in acting world was, as I say, on the rise. And they were a bit like, yeah, I'm all right. And, you know, I'll, I'll wait, you know, I love you. I do want to work with you, but let me, let's come back in a year. Let's see. And you know, when everyone says that you're like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm going to have no, I'm going to get like, and I started on day one with as an agent with no clients and I was terrified. I was just like, and the first three or four people that I banked on, I told my boss, they're going to sign with me. on. I was like, they're coming. They told me they're coming. And none of them came. And, and they were all like, you know, um, they were all, um, flighty, right. They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they never came. And I was just like, I can be the best negotiator of all time, but if I'm negotiating absolutely nothing, <laughs> what what is it all for? So, um, yeah the first few weeks I was scared really scared um but then the first one joins um and weirdly she joined from the company I interned out interned at oh, you know back at the beginning and I was like oh yes one one and then I inherited a few people and I was like great and and then I just had to basically build but I had a client list that ranged from shakespearean actors at the RSC to Vinnie Jones who I still look after now and you know that first year I was definitely a loss making exercise like a hundred percent like that first year I thought you know if I'm not being made redundant now I'm being made redundant pretty soon after this because I think I definitely brought in less money than they were paying me um but you know I think I spoke a good game and and I showed promise and obviously I had great experiences and they kept with me and yeah, you just grow it. And then to be fair, I got to 2019 and I just decided I didn't want to work with actors anymore. Um, it's a tough gig working with actors. Um, and I wanted to, and I just loved everything what everyone else was doing, TV presenters, radio presenters, brands, like just loved it all. Sport. Um, and I and I was lucky that I'm at this company that has different divisions, right? We have six different divisions, and I just sort of tried to pivot. Um, And it came at a good time for me and the company. The company was letting go of a lot of agents in that unscripted world. um, And they needed to bolster that division. I also had a client in Emily Atak, who I'd had for a long time, who, you know, uh, we both had the same sort of feeling at the time about acting. She wasn't quite getting the roles that she, to be honest, should have got, you know, and she was putting in great performances and great auditions. And she was too famous for some things and just not famous enough for other things, and um and she decided to do i'm a you know we just you know i managed to get around celebrity she decided to do it and at the same time as her coming out and becoming a tv presenter and other things it allowed me to then get into that world and she smashed it so brilliantly that everyone wanted to speak to her and i was just like i could like i could learn this whole world very quickly um and so i spent 2019 just sort of pivoting away from acting um and yeah, now, now I represent TV presenters and, you know, radio hosts and um, other types of talent. And um, and then, yeah, I was made MD of the company in 2020, during COVID 2020, which is a tough way to start. But, you know, um, so, yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. I do miss a good, you know, theatre night out and a opening night and all that. But I've got to be honest, when, you know... When they're off to, you know Stratford upon Avon, f- or to watch four hours of Henry the i I'm like, yeah, I'm alright. I'm really <laughs> alright.
0: I do remember I was
3: sit It was like 2018, and I had a client who was doing like Richard the Second at the Globe in London, and the seats are awful. They just made a word, and it's like cold because it's obviously open air, and and nobody wanted to come with me. And I was watching three and a half hours of this and I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> i think I'm done. I can't say I can't say I'm do blame you. you. Uh, but. What
0: what exactly is how do you
3: define
0: not famous enough though?
3: How does somebody go how does somebody define Oh it's that shit, exactly? isn't it? It's awful. Yeah. I think do you know what Because you know profile is more important than ever right and people are always now looking at you know not your cv but how many instagram followers you have and how many you've got on tiktok and you know what, what what's your engagement like you know and all of that and i think it's a miserable way of doing things but you know emily for example had obviously been on the in-betweeners obviously she was excellent in it brilliant show but you know we had done a few films that didn't quite land. We did the remake of Dad's Army, which was meant to be huge and it was all right. You know, had a great cast, you know, Toby Jones, Catherine Zeta-Jones was in it, Bill Nye was in it. And then we did a Disney film with Jennifer Saunders. and, And, you know, some people felt that, the girl from the in us was exactly what we wanted and a lot of people think that the girl from in us isn't enough of what we wanted and sadly it wasn't about how good an actress she is because she is and it wasn't about it wasn't about the cv which was amazing it was just about you know it, are we going to get on the daily mail online i guess it's kind of it it's really difficult
0: this <laughs> it's, it's almost yeah. concerning in a way that it's not down to skill anymore it's not down to you know
3: the ability to act it's it's it's,
0: who's following on instagram then how, how many have you got 10, 000, talent, again,
3: yeah i would say that talent is maybe fourth on the list third on the list i think that i think that it's important of course it's important but it's definitely one of many things um the world's changed a lot even in my sort of i don't know whatever it's now 13 years from start to finish of doing this um it's definitely changed a lot um, yeah and it's only going one way but um yeah, especially you know now we've got the streamers and now we've got obviously everything's online and you know the way that social media is like you know all these people that make so much money and I really can't tell you what their talent is and I think that's one of our things you know we've got this motto uh, called which is transforming careers for exceptional talent and we all, whenever we think about a new client I know exceptional talent feels quite a dramatic way of saying it but like they have to be talented if they join us I don't care what the talent is I don't care. If it's that they're a great shakespearean actor or they're just a brilliant athlete or like Stu, you know Stu is a fantastic wrestler with a great personality and great charisma on um but you know on the mic and he's we've hosted a few things now you know like, i don't care what it is it's just about the talent um and you know we have a lot of great development clients who have come through the ranks you know you know the stephen bartlett's the chelsea brimes of this world no talented people. Um, but I do scratch my head when I see people getting this and that. And I sort of look and just go, I don't get it. I just don't yeah. get it. But you know, we have to have such young people in our office because even our staff who are in their mid-20s are too old for the things that the 17-year-olds are loving. <laughs> so our head of our head of esports at the last year, um at the time was 19, right? And um you know, he said to me that he'd been working in esports for years. I was like, when did you start working in esports? He was like 12. What? Like, what the hell? Hey, what the <laughs> hell? I could be your dad. <laughs> like, what the fuck?
2: When I was too busy playing Nintendo and just being an idiot. Yeah, I'm not thinking 12. career
3: choices. 12. Um, so by the time he got to 19, he's like the Don. I mean, you know, he's like, um, he was running our eSports uh, Division 3 and he's now gone off to do something else. But like, yeah, and... and
1: Fair play, though. Fair
3: yeah, play. like, it's mad. Um, and even at 36, I feel like I'm keeping trying to keep hold of what's, you know, of what's happening. Yeah. We're Um, we're
0: we're we're all the same age here, so I think we're all it's getting to that point now where where, when when kids say words and you go, I have no idea what you just said to to me. (laughs) You know, you've gone past school. You're now like the the parent side where uh, you know parents aren't cool anymore.
3: I don't I don't know about you, but the the main podcasts I listen to outside of worky ones and obviously true crime ones because we're all in those, right? The ones that I (laughs) the ones that I listen to are the nostalgia ones. Like you know, like everything about the nineties. I'm in, right? I'm like one of four people that I definitely think four people that listen to this mighty ducks podcast. Right. don't ask me why. It just makes me think (laughs) of my youth and I definitely, there's definitely more people hosting it than there are listening to it. I would say. Um, And I, I, you know, I just, all of that stuff, like, you know, you know, there's, um, that amazing football podcast quickly, Kevin, that's all about nineties football and, you know, I, I, I love nostalgia. But I'm like, when I say things in the office, like when I said earlier about pressing play and record at the same time yeah. to record something, or you do that when you want to record a song off the radio on the cassette, like people are just looking at me in this office like, I'm an idiot. Like genuinely, it's mad. <laughs> it's mad. But that doesn't feel like that long ago. No. No, it really doesn't. Do
0: you remember when you had <laughs> you remember in, rewind film?
3: Yeah. And do you, <laughs> do you remember in rewind. the DHSs? Do you remember the VHS's where there was that little square bit at the front where if you took it out, you could never record over it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was there for life.
2: <laughs> or you could sell a tape, a bit of paper over it, and you could record over things. Really?
3: Yeah. Oh, Jamie, very are you? It's 15 Cheapskate.
2: years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Cheapskate. <laughs> Birmingham, that's where I was.
3: No. The problem is I should have kept them, because all these people are like selling them, aren't they, for like, profit, but, like original yeah. Nintendos and stuff, like the SNES. It's nuts. I think yeah, it's
2: yeah. mad. I did just want to go quickly back to something you said earlier when we were talking about Emily, because I mad. wonder this every single year: how on earth does a talent agent sell someone on going into that jungle? Like, <laughs> what? S- go in, to the show go in sell here, it them. sell it to them. Like, hey, I've got this great opportunity. You can go in a jungle, uh, yeah. live in squalor, and eat animal testicles. How'd you fa- How'd you fancy doing that?
3: Um... <laughs> I you know what I've had I think 10 clients do I'm a celebrity it's kind of my show and um it's um and last year I had uh boy George and Scarlett Douglas do it the year before I had Naughty Boy Arlene Phillips also did it um Emily Jacqueline Jossa we've had a Georgie Porter we've had a few we've had a few do this show you know what for me it's the biggest show on UK TV bar none Um, outside of things like sport and stuff like that but it's the biggest show on television and I think it's the number one show to change a career overnight put it that way Mm. I think Strictly has the ability to do it of course outside of that I'm not sure what else does but I'm a celebrity if you play it right and you come across well you literally have the ability to come out and just rocket fuel your career Emily did it Jacqueline's done it. Joel Domit did it, you know, um, uh, God, Adam Thomas did it. It's obviously Stacy Solomon. Skylar Moffat is one of my clients did it. You know, when you get it right, Roman Kemp, it just works. And I think that, um, it's not really a hard sell, you know? Yeah. If somebody doesn't want to fly 24 hours or doesn't want to be on the top of a building or eat kangaroo testicles, then yeah, you need to have that conversation. But, um, realistically everyone wants to do it and only what 11 or 12 get to do it every year and you know it's not even the money you'll make if you do if, if it goes well you'll make infinitely more money than you ever would actually doing that show um and it's just yeah it's it's just um one of those shows that can change your career overnight um and and it's really good like you said Ant and tech are the best for a reason and it's really good um but no i think i think for me you have to be on the same wavelength just speaking more specifically about an agent and a client relationship you've got to be on the same wavelength you know you're not going to be able to represent somebody if you disagree with where you should be going or what kind of show you should be doing so if i'm if i've got interest from i'm a celebrity about a client i'm only discussing them on the basis that i think that they will want to do it. You know Mm. nine times out of ten you should be on the same wavelength every now and then yeah maybe something will come along that you don't think is right and your client does or vice versa but um you know my day is spent you know really you know we have it's a selling job right we sell some people sell chairs some people sell tables I sell other people. And, you know, <laughs> and and it sounds, you know, and, and and we have buyers and our buyers are Disney and it's ITV and it's BBC and it's TikTok and it's brands and, you know, or, or big podcasts or radio stations. Like we sell our talent. We have to know who the buyers are. We have to agree who the buyers should be. We have to have a short term plan, a long term plan, and we have to go out there and make it happen. And, and, you know what's exciting is is having versatile clients if you have clients all in the same world yeah you might become the king or queen of that world but i don't know it it gets a bit samey i love the fact that i have documentary filmmakers i have entertainment stars i have people on radio i have ww wrestlers i have you know and and really exciting up and comers who are yet to really cement where they sit in this industry um, but it's pretty cool when you've been working on something that you've really been involved in from the very get go. Maybe sometimes it's been my idea, my client's idea, but we've worked it and you and it comes to fruition, and then the world gets to see it um and then slag it off. but no, the world gets to see it, and um, that's pretty cool, like you're making an impact on their lives and you're making an impact on culture in this country you know creating ideas that end up on the bbc that's pretty cool so you know and then yeah that people might love it people might slag it off might get good ratings might not but that's kind of out of your control you just have to try and pick the best jobs for your clients with them and you won't always get it right but if you've gone into it for the right reason, it's not just a money job or whatever, then you won't have any regrets, even if it doesn't rate particularly well. Um, but these are the things that we all think about outside of you guys and anyone else watching TV shows is, is how is it rating? What's it up against who's watching it on iPlayer or whatever streamer it might be. Um, how much love went into it. You know, when somebody does slag off a show, it's difficult because a lot of people work on that, you know? Um, and uh you know, it's very difficult when things don't get recommissioned for another series or, you know, um, it gets one star from the Telegraph, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty, that's rough. So my day, I get a lot of good calls and a lot of bad calls and a lot of maybe calls and a lot of let's pencil them calls and um but you know, it the, the fun outweighs the, the, the sort of bad side of it. You can't, I think you have to, as an agent, try and stay grounded. Cause if you ride the highs too high and the lows too low, you'll end that's quite erratic to live your life like that. Um and it's not very healthy. So you, you have to kind of stay balanced because the, the call you get at 10 a.m. might be an amazing call that your client's got a job and the call at 10 past 10 might be that your client didn't get the other client didn't get that job so you have to sort of keep yourself a bit balanced because it can be quite a roller coaster of emotions day to day um you know my client might you know I might have a a client leave me and I might sign a new client like it's just a very um it's very unstable at times so you have to keep yourself quite grounded um you you never know what's going to happen in your day um but that's why it's a lot of fun I love that I love when people say what are you doing today that like, I have actually no idea and I could end up anywhere like last week my boss at four o'clock uh, my chairman said to me this thing might happen we might have to go to Bristol tonight bearing in mind I'm in London and I'm like right let's do it <laughs> um and and your day just takes a turn or if there's a crisis and you've got to cancel a council meeting because something's happened somewhere you have to get there um so it's a lot of fun, but also a lot of stress, I guess. I think I think a lot of the people that struggle in our industry is because it is 24-7 and the stress levels are quite high and it's quite um, a difficult people business a lot of the time.
2: I'm I'm very conscious of time, so we'll start wrapping up shortly. But I did want to say, you know, like, from what you're saying, what you do is absolutely incredible. Like, you're you're basically helping people achieve their dreams. And that is... Phenomenal, and I don't think that can go understated. And it's why we like
3: talking to people who work in the background. You, like I said, whenever I have clients that are moaning or something, can I put them on the phone to you and just can you just tell them that I'm, a, I'm doing that? <laughs> that Alex is a dream maker and you should just be happy nonetheless. Yes.
2: <laughs> we'll have it as your like little voicemail thing, just yeah. Like thank you.
3: <laughs> it is it, pretty, it is pretty cool, yeah. It's awesome,
2: Mr. You know. Stevens. Do you have any more questions for our wonderful guest?
0: I do. Um, Alex, when you first started out with the whole working in theatre, being in Portsmouth, getting pissed off that the beach has got pebbles rather than sand and that sort of thing. And obviously having to support Tottenham, I'm sure, are allergic to trophies. Yeah. Um, did you ever think that when you, when you first started out, this, this is where you would be today right now, doing this at 36? Um,
3: yes and no. No, because I, I it took a while for me to come out of my shell. I, I definitely was an introvert for all of being at school really shy and then i sort of found myself at uni i sort of felt like this is where i belonged so i don't think i um no i on one hand i don't i don't but on the flip side um i just wanted it so much i just like cared so much i and i care now like i care now to be the best agent in town like i look at other agents all the time i listen to them on podcasts i read their interviews if they're doing a talk somewhere i'll go and listen to them i might you know they might be my competition i'm always listening and always trying to learn i'm always looking at agents in other worlds and football I'm, i'm a big basketball fan in basketball and other things and um so and I'm, I'm always trying to tell my team i've got a team of 30 i run a team of 30 and you know like like read more and read this book and read that interview and read that article and i'm just trying to you know so on the one hand did i think i'd be the md of a top talent agency at this point absolutely not um and imposter syndrome is a real thing from time to time of course um on the flip side um um I just didn't want. I didn't just never let it go. Like I just, I just wanted it so much. Um, But I still don't think I've made it. I still don't think that I'm anywhere near the agent that I want to be, or or that I'm happy to now. Sort of like I, I still feel like I've got too much left to, to to achieve. Um, I'm never satisfied ever. And the problem is, as an agent, is when you get a great bit of news, or you get that, or that you watch that great gig you just have to move straight on to the next and you don't actually really get a huge amount of time to go oh my god that was great i do keep everything i keep every ticket every program every every from everything i do and everything i go to just so one day i can hopefully stop and look back and go that was pretty cool um but yeah you don't ever really stop you're just on this treadmill and you just keep going um but yeah it's um i do love it um Um, and I want my my team to love it as much as I do, you know. I I think that that's that's the key. I don't, I've never, I've not got the Sunday dreads in 10 years. Like, I just, I love my weekends, but I love my weeks just as much. Like, I'm happy for the weekend, but I'm also happy for the week to start at the same time. I'm pretty chill. So, um, normally because Spurs have lost, I'm ready for the week to start, just to (laughs) you know, pass the time again, um, until the next one, but.
0: It's all good. You, you smashed Paris, so you okay. <laughs> this time. Not last time, yeah. but
3: this time. <laughs> but
0: yeah.
2: Incredible. Before we let you go, Alex, do you have any plugs, social medias, websites, anything you want people to go check out? Uh, I don't
3: know. Um, sort of our company's Intertalent, so if you search Intertalent on Twitter or, or Instagram or anywhere, you'll see everything about what we do. Um, I'm Alex underscore Siegel, S-E-G-A-L at, uh, on Twitter. Um, No, not really. Just... um just want people to watch stuff like I think that um you know we want people back in the cinemas, I want people back in the theaters we want people watching things um live and catch up, but you know live would be good as well that matters that still matters to us um and um you know, I think that entertainment is um is needed right now, and also it's um you know a massive business and when people ask me you know, oh, is cinema dead or whatever you know it's like a six billion pound business like it's not. It, it, you know it might not be exactly that at the moment but you know i think that um i think people want experiences now i think we we were cooped up for too long you know we were all working from home for, for a year like i think people are ready to get back out so we're just trying to create as much as possible you know there's some iffy times at the moment you know a few of these companies like the netflix of this world are, uh, and spotify's uh you know they had this big growth and now it's kind of like all what's happening is a lot of consolidation going on companies buying companies so but as long as people keep watching content because we're in the content business and the audience business that's what we're in right making content for an audience so as long as we can keep creating content and there's an audience for it you know hopefully we'll uh we'll survive another 30 years and, and, and keep going phenomenal Alex
2: thank you so much for doing this I would love to have you back as some part I've missed so many questions off so we would definitely <laughs> love to have you back on and do this again at pleasure time.
3: pleasure no listen anytime guys congratulations and uh, and you know what listen having a podcast that needs consistency is a hard thing you know I have so many clients that have podcasts and when they've done three or four they start getting lax on when they're doing them and you know you're not going to thrive unless you have consistency right and um when did you guys start the pod?
0: 2019
3: 2019 so you went through covid yeah we did that- we started
0: we started interviewing in we didn't interview originally we just did a stupid mm-hmm. little 15 minute thing and then we started interviewing in covid april 2020 uh, but luckily everyone was at home
3: so it kind of helped <laughs> we've got nothing else to do let's do a podcast except for you know you're my one hour of walking a day um And and crossing the street when one person was coming towards you. You know, all all of that. Um, Do you remember the first time you went out in the street during COVID and saw the first other person? And just how scared you were of that person. (laughs) So bad to know. That you ran to the other side of the road. (laughs) I'll
2: I'll still never get over. I'll still never get over having to queue for almost an hour and a half just to go into Sainsbury's to get a few
3: basics. I I used to get so annoyed. I used to see people... Standing not two meters apart from another person, but they were apart. So they thought they were two meters. And you're like, they're clearly not two meters. That's at least a <laughs> meter and a bit. um <laughs> You know, they're all going to die. um It was just like one of, you know, such a terrifying time. But uh, yeah, great time to start a podcast, though, I have to be honest with you. It really
2: was. Yeah, it was
3: brilliantly. Well, <laughs> <But> congratulations, <us. laughs> guys, because, you know, 2023 and you're still rocking and rolling. So, um oh. you know, but tell me, tell me very quickly about about the charity and the foundation.
2: So the Sophie Lancaster Foundation was yeah. based in two thousand and seven. There was a golf girl and her boyfriend were walking through a park in Lancashire, and they were basically attacked and killed because they were goths. So that was literally that was literally the reason. Nothing more, nothing less than that. So basically, the Sophie Foundation was set up by her family, and they had the tagline "Stamp Out Prejudice, Hatred and Intolerance Everywhere," and it's basically raising that awareness. Because goth kids, emo kids, alternative kids are targeted and they're bullied and they're beaten for that. That's literally it. I went through it when I was younger. Tom went through it as well. So mm. the whole plan is to try and get that alternative subculture classed as a hate crime because it is. It is, yeah. And it's still today not being classed. The government just won't do it. So it's still just constantly getting that. It's disgraceful. To try and yeah. get it made. Like Coronation Street recently had a storyline based on it. And it, it's still very prevalent today, but it's just, yeah, it's just getting it to go. And we're not giving up. We're gonna. We've been working with the foundation for a, a little while now, and yeah, we're just not giving up until we get it to happen. Because it's mm. we've we've spoken to people at music festivals, and they've said themselves, "Yep, I got attacked, I got bullied, I fireworks thrown at me, everything just because of the way I was dressed." Literally that.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, listen, I, you guys doing that is amazing. It's disgraceful that that's the situation at the moment, and yeah, I, I think sadly. From a lot of things we've obviously seen on the news in the last couple of years, it's definitely sounds like it's getting a bit worse. We um we uh one of our amazing agents here, um, who's a director of our company is, is Brooke Kinsella. Um, and you know, Brooke's brother, Brooke used to be an actress, and her brother Ben was stabbed and killed many years ago. And and obviously she has the Ben Kinsella Trust, um, which is incredible. And we're we're sort of big supporters of that, you know, trying to stamp out knife crime. And I, I just don't know, you know, Brooke is the most amazing person and uh, an actress and agent now and how she just gets up and, and cracks on with her day after that and, and going through that is is insane and she they have the most amazing um exhibitions around London with these great actors where they bring school classes in and you're in a prison cell and you have actors who you know are playing the roles of people that have been sent to prison for knife crime and you know they're hoping to just you know help stamp it out and, and any of these sort of um senseless attacks it's its unreal and um uh listening to her talk about knife crime especially in london it just sounds like it's getting worse like all of these things it's just horrible um so listen fair play to you guys and uh and uh yeah it's good to hear about the charity and the foundation yeah it's, it's
2: it's like i say it's it's disgusting it still happens in this day and age mm. but
3: as long as we've got people
2: who support charities like that hopefully one day
3: yeah Stampede. definitely 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 Anyway, I hope that was all right. Yes, <laughs> it was absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Well, oh, I'm so happy much to come much. on again. Not a problem. Sorry, I was. I've had four coffees today, so I was probably waffling off for that. But um, <laughs> podcasting, eh? yeah.
2: we love it. We love it. Thank you so much for doing this. It really means well. I'm glad we finally got managed to get it done. Yeah, do you know what? You asked
3: me in August. I was in Edinburgh. What was it August? And then, the hell. and then yeah, it was in August. I remember. And then um, it went on and. Um, yeah, went on from there, didn't it? And then yeah, broke my fucking hip. That was fun. <laughs> um, but um, it's difficult because when I'm in the office or when um I'm at home, there's just no quiet. So you just have to like I was like if I do it late at night one day, then um yeah. But um I've got a meet I've got a meeting tomorrow morning at seven in the morning, hence why I was like, right, oh. I better get home at good yeah. time I've got to be up at stupid o'clock. So go home yeah, and get yeah, some fine. sleep, my friend. Thank okay. you so much. Really thank you guys, it. appreciate it. Take care, Alex. Cheers!
2: Bye. 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 What? A, oh, absolutely fantastic! It's such a fascinating conversation, and also he, he defended I'm a celebrity in the most beautiful way. Which so I really, lo- I really though. liked. It. I mean, yeah, a great pretty. show. But I just love the way he defended people going on that show because that is one show I was going. Why the fuck would you want to do this? <laughs> so fair play. I'll do it. Fair. Would you? Oh, fuck that, no. Oh, I
0: actually would, yeah. Hell yeah, I'd do it. I would absolutely scream like a little bitch, but I'd do it. (laughs) fuck that.
2: You wouldn't get me on there. But, no, Alex, absolutely amazing to talk to you. This was so much fun, and we definitely need to get you back on because I've still got so many questions from all the questions I wrote to ask still. Because, yeah, just incredible, incredible.
0: Absolutely. Alex, thank you so much again, my friend, for taking the time to chat to us. We really appreciate it, and we really hope that you guys enjoy listening to it, as much as we did, recording it.
2: To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com.
1: Me, the Stevens. Do you know a real shame?
0: You <laughs> didn't it? just ah. I can li- literally hear you. Sorry, do you try it again? No, it's fine. I'm,
2: I'm, I'm not doing the two takes. It's fine. The, the audience can enjoy what they got. Okay. Yes? Yeah. <laughs> it's audience participation time.
0: Yeah! Participate, bitch!
2: Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's Participation Challenge. This week, I said, ah, the innocence of youth and the crushes we had our first loves. But some of us, not as normal as the most. So this week, we ask, who were your bizarre childhood crushes? Animated? Video games? Puppets? Whatever it may be. What say you, Mr. Stevens? Any weird ones?
0: I don't think I actually had any. Um, Avril Lavigne was my first, but I was like a teenager by then. Mm. So as a kid, I never really, it never really crossed my mind.
2: No, I never really got into the old, like, everyone fancied Lara Croft at one point, which I never quite really? understood. In my school, anyway, I was never one of them. I never quite understood that one. I, I don't generally like my girls pixelated, if I'm honest.
0: Oh, really? I'm really the triangle breasts. <laughs> yeah, precisely. But Every, everyone seems to have
2: everyone. a thing for her. I never got that one. We all know Diane Udall Jet was my first love. We all know this. We've all heard the, the the picture in the sock story. That was my first weird crush. But then again, not really weird. But we did have some bizarre answers. Abby Lloyd, basically every animated fox ever. But weirdly enough, I have heard so many people on like comment sections being crushing over the fox from Robin Hood.
0: So. When she heard, what does the fox say? Did it make her, you know, (laughs) did it bring her to climax? (laughs) Oh, I wish I heard what the fox had to say.
2: (laughs) I do not like the face I just pulled down. I'm going to put a big sticker on my face on the YouTube video for that. (laughs) Simon Mitchell says, I had a small thing for Nozomi, who was a main female character in the original Shenmue video game. I don't know what any of that is, but video game characters. Again. Wesley Pike. With the answer I expected to get 700,000 times, Jessica Rabbit. I mean, I, I get that one to be fair. I get, I get Jessica Rabbit, yeah. Fair. Fair. Can't argue no, that one. I've never seen it, so I can't. Um... You've never seen it? I know who she is,
0: obviously.
2: Uh, Sammy Bacon just posted a GIF of the Robin Hood fox. Everyone's got a thing for this fox. Don't know what it is, but people love this fox.
0: You the knew they are doing.
2: Laurie Jean says beast from beauty and the beast, but only as a beast. He let me down as soon as he turned into a human. <laughs>
0: That's a lot. Jamie, I've got a feeling that. I've to bestiality here.
2: I'm getting the feeling. I am getting the feeling. And she says also wolf from gladiators. So it wasn't just me that fancied a gladiator when we were a kid. <laughs> Graham White says launch pad quack from DuckTales. No, I don't know why. Okay. I mean, he was a pilot. Fair play. People have a uh, thing for pilots. I get it. Saskia Turner-Edwards. Bart Simpson. Saskia was an eight-year-old. I'm a little bit worried about you. <laughs> but saying that, she was probably about a young bit at the time. I'm going to hope anyway.
0: <laughs> you well, you would have thought so,
2: yeah? I'm, I'm hoping so, yes. <laughs> Rebecca Cashman. Hexus in Fern Gully. I
0: can't remember Fern Gully. I've never seen it. So I can't, inj-
2: I can't indulge. Nathan Benham. I'm with you with this one, my friend. Chitara from the Thundercats.
0: Fuck yes. Again, now watch it. Ah.
2: Dina Payne. David Attenborough. I mean, that strong. voice. That's that a voice, strong. Yeah. That, that's, that's not weird now with that voice. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsty Darby was and still is Edward Scissorhands. I mean, Johnny Depp, doesn't it? Yeah, he's Johnny Depp, yeah. Yeah. But maybe so. not let him come anywhere near you with the uh, hands. No. Yeah. It's a reverse X-Men situation with Cyclops from earlier. Avoid the hands. Ollie Roilance, the purple cat from the Willy the Funk cartoon. What the fuck?
0: <laughs> it's weird. It's what we asked
2: for. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> Riley Delve in an answer that really made me laugh. Billy Mitchell from
1: EastEnders.
2: <laughs> As you do. As you do. Lucy Rowe, another one that really made me laugh. Alan Davis when he was in Jonathan Creek. Can't fucking stand the guy now, though. (laughs) (laughs) Two left. We have our good friend, Ryan Williams. Of course, he's back as always. He's here every week. The Baroness from G.I. Joe. Fair enough. Rebecca Cunningham, the mum from Tailspin, mainly because I wanted her as a mum. That's a bit of a Freudian moment there, Ryan. Jessica Rabbit, of course. A gadget hack wrench from the Rescue Rangers. (laughs) The chipmunk. Okay. And from the X-Men, Psylocke, Jean Grey, Rogue, and Jubilee. Fair play. Can't argue any of those choices, especially not Psylocke. Fair play. Can't argue with them. And last but not least... I'm never sure when this man comments if they are true comments of how he feels, or he's just been a crazy weird bastard that we love so much. It's Mally Malpass. I'm fairly sure I had, and still do, have a crush on Godzilla. Specifically this guy for 1974's Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla.
1: <laughs> I a picture of him. Okay. <laughs>
0: and you put said picture up so we can episode? I will
1: put said picture up
2: I was just like what well, <laughs> How do you, you have know, a crush you... on Godzilla
1: you like what you like don't
2: you I suppose if you're into being dominated there ain't no one around better to dominate you than fucking Godzilla mate I hope he hasn't many reptiles <laughs> yeah me actually yeah good point stay away but
0: we uh, thank you everybody <laughs> participating in jamie's challenges we really appreciate everybody that gets involved we love it um and you can come and check out the other 78 editions of the chronicles of podcast wherever you get your podcast from you can find us on spotify apple google etc and etc we are fucking everywhere this is what you need get the chronicles of podcast in your face um, you can also come and find us on YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Thank you to everyone as we been doing it so far. We're almost at the big 200. Oh, oh. um, and you can uh, so subscribe to us, hit the bell to get notified of whenever a new video gets released, and comment, comment, comment. Um, you can also find our hashtag WWs is on there, our Wave Out Wednesdays. You can find all of our live Bloodstock interviews on there, our live Bloodstock blog is on there, and our double Quest vlog is on there as well. Uh, you can also find us on the old FaceyB facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you hit that like button, share it everywhere, tell all your mates about it, make sure everyone's following it. And whilst you're there, Jamie, um, where else could you find us?
2: You can find us on the Intertalent website looking at all the amazing people on there who you should go all follow and support one, all their little business ventures.
0: Absolutely. And whilst on the Twitter at TCO Pod, whilst you're on Intertalent's website and on our Twitter, Jamie, where else could you find us?
2: Looking across the ring at your opponent going, I see you. I see
0: Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And also on the Instagram. Yeah. At TCO Pod. You can also find us on LinkedIn at the Chronicles of Podcast. Come and connect with us on there. It would be graciously appreciated. We are on TikTok at the Chronicles of Podcast at TCO Pod. Come and find us on there. We're sharing, we're sharing loads of little clips of the shows and stuff from the week previous. James did a bang up job of that. Um, and you can also come on down to our website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. about us are on there you can see all of our shows and uh and episodes and editions even on there all the team and our incredible brand new store that's now on there as well you could buy yourselves a Chronicles of Podcast t-shirt there's hoodies and there's a treacher's pet t-shirt there's a Rihanna ring t-shirt so make sure you come get involved and come and get yourself some TCO pod merch and follow us on all the socials of course before we get out of here shall we say
2: thank you to a few of our friends Every single piece of music you hear on this show is brought to you not by a band, not by a team of people, but by one man. And that man is Mr. Singer-songwriter Matt Roberts. Go check him out on all the social medias at Matt Roberts Music. You can find him everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere you will find him. And then go and find him on Spotify and give him a follow right now. He's just dropped a brand new album and I want you all to go and listen to it right now because it is Fantastic. And as I said, make sure you're following Matt and all the social medias at Matt Roberts Music because he has a very, very amazing new project in the lines to be announced very, very soon. The new album's called Light of Day. That was it. I couldn't remember. Thank you. <laughs> and of course, we heard from him earlier. It's Mr. Braden Barry in his Stay Cozy Clothing. Head on over to www.staycozyclothing.com. Have a look what they got on the website. It could be this t shirt. It could be tom's hat it could be those hoodies were sometimes wearing it could be anything you like the look of and add any of those to your basket there's currently a sale on as well get a bit of cheeky extra money off and once it's in your basket add that discount code the chronicles and get yourself 10 off your order and hopefully in that basket you have included the sophie lancaster collaborative t-shirt because 50 of the profit to that t-shirt go directly to the foundation we cannot thank Braden enough For doing his little bit to support this incredible charity means the absolute world to us. And speaking of Braden Barry, he's got a brand new album. It's out today, the day this episode drops. Go and check out his brand new album right now. It's phenomenal. But could you expect anything left from Mr. Say We Could Fly? You're going to remind me of the album there, aren't you?
1: Company for Roses.
2: That's the one. There we are. (laughs) Go check and see. Two brand new albums and a new edition of the show to check out. Is there a better way to spend a Friday?
1: Spoiled. No,
2: spoiled for choice. But of course, while you're listening to those, you got you do know, nothing else on your phone. So why not head over to support the Sophie Lancaster Foundation? They're stamping out prejudice, hatred, and intolerance everywhere. And that means everywhere. We've just posted on their social medias, there is a charity concert being run in Canada this weekend. That is how far that message is being spread. It is absolutely incredible to see. And if you are over there in Canada, in the Toronto area, head on over. Go support this amazing show and this amazing charity. Can't thank you enough for everyone who listens to this show who has supported the charity so far. But if you haven't and you wish to, it doesn't have to be money. Of course, money means the world. It helps in every single way. Of course, it is. What makes the world go round? But if you can head over to www.SophieLancasterFoundation.com, click on the Hate Crime tab, there is a questionnaire to be filled in. If you've ever been treated differently because of the music you listen to, the way you dress anything no matter what it is if you've been treated differently just for being yourself we need you to fill in this questionnaire because the amount of evidence we can get to send to the courts to say to them look the alternative subculture is a hate crime it's classed as a hate crime people are being treated because of this they're being treated different because of this and that is literally the only reason why so let's put an end to this let's help achieve sylvia's mission and put this to rest and get it put as a strand of the hate crime. We cannot wait to work with these guys over summer at the festivals, and we can't wait to announce what we're doing with them. We've got several things lined up. It's going to be an incredible year for the foundation, so please head on over to them, follow all the social medias, everything you can, and throw some support towards the foundation. And last but not least, a massive thank you to this handsome fella right here.
0: Did to uh, my friend right back at you, so I appreciate that.
2: Massively, and uh, Jamie another glorious episode in the bag another glorious episode indeed can you believe we're at 80 next
0: week (laughs) absolutely amazing and once again Alex thank you so much again for coming and chatting to us we we thoroughly enjoyed it and we can't wait to have you back, Uh, I know how busy you are so thank you so much and as for you people, all of you over there, as for this week we'll see you all next week
2: goodbye everybody bye